It's the Tiltcast, episode 570, second best game of the year, 2023. Again this year, guys, it's a long one, but we get done in one episode. We talk all the games we played this year and narrow it down to our personal five and our top ten. Stay tuned. Can you guess which one it was? Yes. 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 That one was real. Yeah. Yeah, it was real. It's the Tailcast. It's an M-rated show. I'm Nas. I'm Jason. I'm Rusty. With the three of us, you're going to get a very small amount of bullshit. Bullshit. Some games and some news. But it is uh, our second best game of the year episode. It is. It's... That's just the way we're going to name it because, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is uh, currently 17 degrees. Feels like four here in the Tulsa area. And Rusty, what is it up there? 19 degrees. And it feels like, you know, it feels like um, it feels like death outside. For once, we're me and Jason are actually colder than Rusty. And we're like 900 miles south. Yeah. That's what uh, that's what an Arctic blast does for you. We're also insulated by all the friggin' snow that we got. So, yeah, we don't have any snow yet, but we might have some tomorrow. But oh it, boy, yeah. an inch and a half that ends the world for the for the South. I mean, it will you're not wrong. It will. <laughs> it's we've uh, there's been a lot of bread and milk going on down here, <laughs> dude. Dude. That's why I've been posting all the bread milk memes. I mean, Crystal is currently running to Sam's right now. So you should have you should have given her a limit of fifty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. Well, you can't even walk into the front door at Sam's for fifty the, bucks. The thing is, though, she's actually just going for the like the normal grocery run. Nothing to do with the upcoming weather. What you need, like six pounds of nuts. Like, what's a normal grocery run <laughs> at Sam's? I hey, I well, I do. It's normally like it's uh like doing the normal grocery two packages, run. two pack. Like for example, just some of the things: two packages of pre-made sausage patties. Because okay. okay, I kind of take stuff to work to build like my own breakfast sandwich once okay. I can work in the morning. You know. Um, a box of biscuits for pre-made biscuits for that purpose. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Or rolls. Um, yeah. you know, uh one gallon of milk, not fucking three or four. Um, a bag of potatoes, um, you know, sandwich meat, sandwich cheese, bread, etc. Okay. I guess but your family of normal five. groceries. Because my family doesn't freak out when it snows. Because my wife knows even if she's too scared to drive, I will. Mostly because I have to for work. I uh, we don't we don't have that. Well, we okay. So we did have that. Uh, all right. So that's all right. Give me you know. Let me back up a second. It's not bread and milk. That's not what we buy up here. <laughs> when there's a storm brewing, and the 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 storm's coming through. Yeah, uh, 
most of the people, you know, most people come up and buy booze. Oh, well, just <laughs> I mean, get drunk. That, that makes sense. If you're going to be stuck at your house for any length of time, and you're going to have to deal with family or whatever, you're going to want booze. You're not going to want milk. You're not going to want bread. What are you going to make with bread and milk? Like, seriously. It's just a <laughs> meme. But, nah, it's, it's, uh, it's, yeah. I, I stopped by on my way home from work and I picked up bottles of wine, some, uh, uh, chicken patties for the air fryer <laughs> and uh and some hot dogs because i have propane heat and if i if i need to i can cook hot dogs on the propane heater <laughs> so i uh, i stop i stop at sam's and i buy a 4 pound package of hot dogs <laughs> that's how i get through that's how I get through, you know, winter storms up here. I've got plenty of hot dogs for the, you know, uh, for, uh, you know, however long I'm stuck in, you know, in the house. I've got enough booze to be able to survive it. And, uh, yeah, what else do I need? And <laughs> I got a good shovel to shovel my ass out. Uh, and as long as I start the car every, you know, uh, every day for about 10 minutes, the battery's not going to die on me. And... Oh, I didn't think about that. I'm going to need to start the car and run it <laughs> in the next couple of days or the battery's going to die. Yep. So, yeah, see, uh, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we, we went out earlier today, uh, cause we had to take a cat out to the farm and uh <laughs> that's a long ass story but uh the uh the semi feral cat that we've uh, we've been trying to hunt down around here we finally captured last night because he came in from the storm and uh we had to take him out to an actual farm not the the, the figurative <laughs> farm <He's laughs> an actual farm he went to he is going he, he is alive um but he has been rehomed because we don't want him in our home um right cuz he pisses and shits all over everything he, yeah i was he's, he was a semi feral cat he was 99% feral and he would come into the house to eat our you know eat the cat food and piss and shit behind the car uh, behind the um uh couch in the living room so he had to go <laughs> um but yeah, anyway, uh we went we went out for a little drive to uh to take him to his new home and uh uh man uh you I mean, you can't see the you can't see the road. It's like you're following along where the plow lines are and uh that's about it. You know, it's ice. Um if you're lucky, you catch a glimpse of the center line. Um, but that's, you know, that's the only indication that you're, uh, that you're on the right track. There's these things, you know, up here on the road that they cut rumble strips on the sides of the roads and in the middle of the road. And if, you know, even in snow, if you run over them, it'll, 
basically rumble the car so that you know whether or not you've drifted off or out of your lane. Uh, you know, even with snow on the roads. Um, it's bad when the rumble strips can't be felt because they're packed full of snow. And that's kind of what's going on right now. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of people on snowmobiles out here right now. Is you can go where there's no roads. I, on the other hand, am staying the hell away from the roads because um, I still have enough southern in me right now that I don't trust anybody to drive on this shit. <laughs> ain't, ain't going nowhere. Work from home if I can. And uh, that'd be that's that's that. Yeah, I work from home. That's why I got to remember to start my car. Yeah, the uh, I uh, I took a I was I drove in on Friday before this whole snowstorm had happened. Worked most of the day that day. Uh, everybody went home early because you know they're like, oh, I don't want to drive in this shit. You know, they're basically, you know, thinking the same thing. I don't want to be on the roads when other, you know, other idiots are on the roads. So they leave early. Well, it leaves me with barely anything to do. So I go home early and I'm like, I'll just, I'll do some remote work, you know, when I get home. Great. Awesome. I get home uh, and this, the snowstorm hadn't happened yet. I'm like, great. Uh, you know, that's why I was able to, you know, Hit the uh, hit the store on the way home and see the uh, the northern version of bread and milk. Uh, <laughs> gave me the opportunity. It's a uh, it's not nearly as bad as they thought it was going to be. They said it was going to be fifty five mile an hour winds or sixty mile an hour winds with freaking snowbank, you know, uh, snow drifts that were like feet deep, and uh, you know we've got about a foot of snow. In a day. And that's not bad. It could be worse. If I get if you guys got a foot of snow in a day, it's like the end of the world. The you know, the the uh you, you were here when that happened. <laughs> we had they had six inches of snow and the city buses were getting stuck in the streets. They didn't have plows to plow the you know the neighborhoods out, so they got the freaking um <laughs> they got the fire department out to run up and down the freaking you know the roads to pack down the snow so that people could get out of their driveways. <laughs> True. That was years ago. The city of Tulsa had actually bought plows since then because oddly enough snow is happening farther south and it's warmer up north and we don't know why global warming tinfoil hat yeah yeah but anyway yeah it's it's been a it's it's been a pretty fun time up here shit it's been a been a couple weeks i don't know what else i've done fuck uh what have i done um have i talked to you guys since christmas (laughs) uh you haven't been on the show since uh (laughs) in about a month oh wow shit all right so um uh fuck um, what else have I done? Uh, 
I don't know, man. I, I became a red-blooded American and have, I'm a gun owner now, I guess. So that's that's a thing. I got myself an MMP-22 uh, you know, rifle and uh, a Walther PDP uh, 9mm, which I'm still waiting for that to come through. That's, you know, those are... Uh, you know, those are fun things that I've uh, been able to do. Uh, go out, uh, go out to the range with my brothers. This range is snowed in right now, so I can't really do much anyway. Um, but uh, let's see. I got I got a boat paddle um, for Christmas. A Just boat, a boat paddle? paddle. Yeah. So, <laughs> you, have you seen uh, uh, the you know? Um, the 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 stirring paddles that you would have for like big pots, you mean like um, a big wooden spoon, like jambalaya paddles. No, uh, I never no, make I, huge yeah, pots. Obviously, of things. haven't. Like I I worked in uh, in in uh, in food service, so you know, big food service paddles were something that we would use to you know in the big steam pots uh, when we were making like large soups or you know large order soups or whatever right i ended up getting one of those for my grandfather because we've been kind of one-upping each other throughout the years getting bigger and bigger utensils you know for each other uh because we do these big cooks like when we do christmas cookies or we do uh um uh, homemade uh, donuts or our hot sauce we do it in massive pots at home and we're using normal size, you know, wooden spoons to mix it. Well, it doesn't get to the bottom of the pot. So we end up getting bigger spoons, longer, you know, longer handled spoons, but they can, they bend or snap because they're not built for that kind of thing. So I started buying these paddles, these mixing paddles. They're thick and get to the bottom of the pot but you can't really use them for anything else because they're meant for like fucking you know pots that are like you know three or four foot tall you know but grandfather had to actually uh you know one up me this year he bought me <laughs> he bought me a four foot mix uh, uh stirring paddle that i can't even use in the kitchen because <laughs> it's it's too tall <laughs> It's the ceiling. <laughs> so wow. I can't I can't stir anything with it without scraping the top of the without scraping the ceiling. Um and I'm like, alright, so this is only gonna be used when I make hot sauce outside in the you know in the four foot pot. Uh okay. <laughs> so uh uh so I have that mounted on my wall. <laughs> I didn't have any of them. Where you going to put a four foot fucking mixing paddle, right? So I mounted it on the wall. I'm like, I'm going to grab this fucker off the wall like the family shotgun every time I make fucking hot sauce. <laughs> I've got I've to gotta look up a mixing paddle. I've never heard of such a thing. You've never seen these things? Ah, oh, man. All right. Let me, let me look and see. Apparently you can get them at the Home Depot. Oh, no. That's for mixing paint. <laughs> Okay, uh, I, I have it here. It's not the right size. No, this is the right size. This is a four foot mixing paddle. Forty eight inches is you know is, is four foot. Hardware stores are what comes up first. Okay, 
Um, let me uh, let me let me share this with you right here. That's that's kind of what I'm uh, what I've got. Uh, it's a 48 inch wooden paddle, and they've got a uh, <laughs> they've got a uh, um, for when you need to feed orps. <laughs> when you're making large batches of food while cooking, look no further than this choice. 48-inch wood paddle for the perfect tool to get the job done. <laughs> when you need to put your body into it. <laughs> this is like the kind of thing you see when you're watching like your Facebook feed gets like filled with like oddball stuff from across the world and you're looking at like some guy in India who's making like stir fry for like 16,000 people. Exactly. And it's this, in a pot. kind of like that. It's at a pot yeah. that's bigger than your dining room table. Yeah. No, the blade is, you know, yeah, it's, this thing is, this thing is huge. It's four foot long. Who eats that? Nobody it, eats hot sauce there. I don't get it. No. Okay. So I think I described this, you know, this once before, but to, to refresh people, when I make hot sauce or when I say hot sauce, my family's hot sauce is not it is actually by weight more sugar than hot sauce um <laughs> but, how long does it keep yeah. huh what how long that? does it keep it keeps uh so when we do it we we can it so it is actually preserved it's it's it keeps just as long as preserves does you know, because it's it's essentially bacon jam is what it what it comes so down to. So you're making to. enough bacon for like jam, twenty people or something. It's so when I make it, let's see how many did I go through. Um, I'm half Mexican and I go through like a full large jar of tapatio a year. That's okay, actual that's hot sauce. that's not that's not how this works. So I you, uh, when I make this stuff. Uh, I go, you know, I make enough to fill three flats of pint jars, uh, you know, with the sauce and probably a few quart jars, you know, you know, larger jars. Uh, and those are for like the larger cookouts, you know, for, you know, like, you know, going to camp and whatnot. Um, but I can go through a pint jar of the sauce every time I cook with it because it's not a hot sauce it's a finishing sauce it's more of a bacon jam than anything what so when i make on? when i go through and i make stuff i will cut up uh you know an example that i would i would use it for is i would make about three three and a half four pounds worth of chicken you know like white meat chicken cut up in cubes and i would uh i would cook that butter herbs spices right Get that nice, you know, get that nice and done. Turn down the heat, pour an entire jar, a pint jar of this, uh, the sauce in there and let that simmer for, you know, for a, about 15 minutes. What that will, you know, what it comes out tasting like, you put that over rice and, uh, what that comes out tasting like is kind of like a, uh, almost like an orange chicken without the orange. Like if I had used orange peel in the in the hot sauce or in the sauce, it would it would also kind of come out like orange chicken. 
it's that, that kind of sweet. But it, instead of having orange in it, it is using red hot as the, as the flavoring. So it's got a little tiny, like the tiniest kick to it because <laughs> my family is, well. It reminds me of about two and a half months ago, I went to Minnesota and there was like jam on everything. Yeah. It's, like everybody it's has a sweet like tooth that. up there. It's kind of like that. It's, you know, it's one of those things that's definitely not keto friendly because it's, you know, it's like you said, it's more sugar than hot sauce. Um, but it has all of the, you know, it's got, you know, it's got the Holy Trinity as far as, uh, as uh, veggies in there. Uh, it's got a lot of bacon, you know, it's, you know, sweetened with, uh, you know, uh, light brown sugar. Uh, you know, Frank's red, uh, red hots in there. It's cooked for, you know, it's cooked down for a long time. Uh, it's thickened up. It's, it's very tasty. Like Jason's had it a while ago. Yeah. Um, it's very, very tasty, like a very good, you know, good hot sauce. It's just, uh, not hot as in it is, does not have heat. <laughs> well, Rusty and I up the heat. Surprise! Yeah, I mean, we can, you can add additional, you know, to it, and I would uh, if I when I make when I make my own and, and not for the family. It tends to be a little warmer because I I like to actually have a bit of a kick to you know if I'm going to say hot sauce, it's better be hot. Um, but this is it's very good, I uh, you know. But we make it in massive quantities because everybody in the family wants a jar uh, or two or three. So I've got enough, you know, I have enough jarred up in the basement for a year and we make it, you know, the, the big batch, we make that once a year. So I will, uh, I will get the paddle of destiny out every fucking year. That four foot behemoth that is on the wall. And uh, I will make some, <laughs> I'll make some damn hot sauce with it. Well, but you can, you you too can have a paddle of destiny for seven ninety nine. <laughs> I just saw the price on it and I was like, what? Shit the uh, the one that's only two foot long is uh is twice the price. <laughs> I guess there's not very many people out there that would. Uh, not a high have demand a four for foot paddle. That not a high demand for cooking paddle. No, no. I mean, not one that scrapes the ceiling as well as the bottom of the pot. But you know, that's the kind of shit that we, you know, that that we we Northerners get for each other. I don't have a pot. I don't have a pot that big. I have a, <laughs> I have a pot for steaming tamales, and that's I don't know. That's like, about as too- big of a pot that you would need, and that's still like. That's still like a stock pot size, right? Well, and I don't use it to put, I don't fill it up with liquid. I use, it's a steamer, right? I just, I put ah, two inches of yes. liquid on the bottom and steam stuff in it, which I rarely use it. Right. So this pot that, you know, that we use, that we bought, we had to buy from a uh, food service store. And it's specifically made to be a uh like a you know 
specifically made for outdoor cooking. It's meant to go on a uh, a, a propane, you know, fucking stovetop outside. It's it's just it's boggling because I guess the context that's necessary is that you have a lot of friends and family that eat together in the same place. And yeah, so like you're cooking for like 20 people. Yeah, it's Where, this is whereas, not, I would never use a 4 foot <laughs> paddle for something that I am cooking for myself. Jesus Christ. It reminds I me I, it. I don't want to be near it. <laughs> I won't say his name but um I had a roommate a long time ago um that none of you guys don't know. I'm no longer friends cuz he stole from me like significantly. Mm-hmm. It is a very, very, very big man. Not fat shaming, but I am explaining quantity. We had a four-foot stockpot, and occasionally he'd make spaghetti for everybody, right? And Mm. so me and my little roommate Mike would get a bowl of spaghetti. I remember this specifically. This was back when early days of WoW, right? And uh, four-foot pot. I'm just going to throw that out there again. Four-foot pot, right? Or maybe it was three-foot. But anyways, it, it stood up like high enough that it was enormous. Um, fit six gallons of food, right? This one night, make spaghetti in this thing. And, uh, you know, pounds of noodles, pounds of meat. Oh, Jesus. And uh, it's filled almost to the brim. Me and Mike get first and seconds, right? We're, we're poor, you know, young guys. And then I go in the next day for leftovers and the pot's in the sink. Apparently, he had did a 24-hour marathon of World of Warcraft and had oh eaten the God. remaining, like, five pounds of spaghetti. Oh, well, my God. Like, oh, I, maybe it's not – I don't know how much it weighs. It probably weighed more than that. But think of, like, one of those, like, probably about three foot by two foot wide pots, like huge stock pots. Mm-hmm. He ate the entire thing while me and Mike were asleep. He spent a 24-hour marathon and is eating spaghetti the entire time. I have I have a three foot stock pot and a four foot stock pot. Yeah, the four foot we only bring out to make the the, the sauce. The three foot is when I you know is uh, the one that I use for um, uh, bone broth, which I still need to make. But still, yeah. Um, yeah the I couldn't even imagine, man. That's a lot. It's, it's I mean, an, it's an incredible. It's impressive that he got through it all. Wow! Wow! Just, I remember uh, being so mad because, like, this is, like, early 2000s, and even back then, that was, like, $25 worth of food, right? Um, yeah. Which, to three, feel, feed three people, even back then, right, like, that would have been, like, four days easy for all three of us. We oh, knew that shit, We knew that he would eat, like, two or three times more than me and Mike would, but still, like, it was two or three days worth of food at least. At least three. And I remember we came back, and, you know, thinking about, like, quantity. Like, this guy was... I don't know, about 6'3", and I'd have to say he's got had about a 66-inch waist. Um, so well over probably around 500 pounds. Yeah, dude, that that's not that's like not could, cool. <laughs> he could put a, he that's could put away, he could put away food. Oh my god, that's not good at all. Like I'm thinking I'm sitting here thinking okay, if if I pulled out um all of the all of the stuff that I normally uh, would you if, use if for you put me and you together, Rusty, and then took half of Jason? That was that was him. Like, uh, and a three foot stock pot would make boy. enough 
uh, you know, I I would be able to make enough spaghetti sauce in that stockpot to feed my entire family probably for a month on spaghetti because they're not going to eat it for you know every fucking meal, right? Um, yeah, it's I, I should I mean, when I made spaghetti sauce, um, I wouldn't say probably four months it's, ago. It's what I'm imagining. Like I'm thinking about my old roommate. Because in my head, he was, he was an orc, right? Like, he just, <laughs> he just consumed so much. Ah, I'm just thinking yeah. about him with the fucking food paddle and the huge pot. Like, no, that's not me. Cooking no, humans. I would, I'd be out there doing that, but I would be cooking something that is going to either get jarred or canned uh, or is going to get frozen. Like, I've got. I've got spaghetti sauce in the freezer right now that I can pull out at any moment and make, you know, make spaghetti and it's just as good as when I made it. Right. I don't have to deal with having to, you know, you know, cook down the freaking sauce for hours when I want spaghetti. I just go grab that is I can't do ragu, you know, but yeah, I can't make marinara when, when I, you know, when I cook large shit like that, it always goes to somebody or it ends up in the freezer so that it's you know it's an easy meal for later. Uh, <laughs> I could not imagine just going. Oh, I'm just going to eat five pounds with a. Uh, I don't want to put this in the fridge because it's not as good when it's in the fridge. Like <laughs> it makes me sick <laughs> just thinking about it, man. <laughs> well, I want to get back on track. Yes. Um, it is Ooh. the uh, second best game of the year because we've already said that Baldur's Gate 3 was the game of the year it's undisputed at this point this, that, we could just I mean, say we that we could go into why we're going in and saying yes this is this is definitely going to be the first you know the top end game of the year yeah we um, uh, we We'll talk about that when you get towards the end. But I think what we want to do, and Jason, I'll let you lead. For ease of us, we're going to go in alphabetical. Do we want to go in alphabetical order or release date order, Jason? Uh, we can go ahead and do release date order. That'll make it a little bit more interesting so you don't know exactly what's coming back up. So if you'll resort that list, um, let's just do release date and go through the year, and then we can kind of plug in... Um, if we played it, and uh, Wait, hang on, if it belongs on this list, we've already got some ratings in there. So that means <laughs> Rusty, <laughs> what? <laughs> that is not a proper rating number. It is definitely a proper rating number. All right. Uh, <laughs> so let's. Uh... We also gonna say that we might exclude it because sometimes we play games from last year. Or years before, and sometimes that's just not going to end up on here. So, yeah. and, and then some of the stuff too, like was in early access last year, but had a full release this year, or was released in like January or like December. We barely yeah. got to it. And so sometimes we run into those types of issues as well. Yep. So, uh, and all of these release dates are based on full release dates. So, okay. Um, well, I'll just let you go, and then we'll just kind of plug so in. First, first up, I think, is a game only Justin played, Surviving the Abyss. 
Are you just going to skip those first three? Yeah, because they're they're firmly released in it's 2022 a, and 2019. Yeah, December seventh, twenty twenty two is not firmly released. Xeon wasn't. That's what Steam said. No, I'm just saying, like, we didn't have time to... I didn't even play it before we did Game of the Year. Okay, we'll start with Xeon. Um, I did several full runs of it. It's about a... 3-9. Does it really... We can... I'll just rate it. ...being a part of the discussion for your... for the rest of your, like, top five? I mean, just put it in top 10. No, it's not a top 10. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what it is. I guess. <laughs> it's a survive. It's kind of like a. What's that survive? Frostpunk. It's like Frostpunk in space. Ah, okay. All right. All right. I understand now. So there's basically no good. Uh, no good. You're, you're choosing the lesser of evils. Most of the time. Yeah, it. It might have gotten some fixes. It had some weird balance issues. Um, it does let you play kind of like a rogue light, kind of like Frostpunk does, but it just doesn't do it quite as well. And I fell off of it after about two weeks. Okay. There you go. So moving on, Surviving the Abyss. It's a turn-based game. Kind. Of, it's a cool game. Do I got to – I don't know if – it might be an honorable mention. I'd give it a four. What would you give it? A four. I wish I had more options. Um, but it's it's like a it's not a it's kind of a no, it's just a straight turn based game with CRPG elements. It's a lot of story based oh, decisions is... in it. it. Yeah, it's in the deeps you're in the deep sea. Right. This is the one that's uh that's like um very Lovecraftian. Lovecraftian, yes. You get weird perks and points. I wish it was longer. I think I beat it in ten hours. But it's a cool game. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> next, uh, the Rise of Rasselhog. I love Expansion for Mech Warrior Five. I love Mech Warrior Five. I don't remember what that added to it. Honestly, Mech Warrior Five with mods is like super god tier, but I don't know that it belongs on the Game of the Year list. It's such a I good didn't game. Figure it did because it's a couple years old at this point. But yeah, it's a fun game. Yeah. It it's still great. Um, Rise of Rasselhog, if I remember right, added um, light mix. I think like better uh, light mix, light, better light mix, and it added um, some more roguelite like uh, raids and stuff. But anyway, mm. um, moving on. Spellforce Conquest of EO. It's a weird turn based slash four K game. Uh, might be worth a mention. It might make an honorable mention. Uh, I hate that we have a five. I wish we had like a 20 point system, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I mean, know. we could, but we all know what we're given one game. Right. Well, 69, four twenty. Give it a. <laughs> it's just a four. I might get into the minutia to break stuff up, but like it's good. I didn't know. Give it a three nine. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't finish yeah, it. There's decimal points, sir. So yeah, we're going to break it up. Um, I didn't play. 
Metroid Prime Remastered. I'm the only one that played that, mostly because my wife bought it for me. I'm not going to include it on any list because it is just a rehash of a game all of us played nearly 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, You still gave it a rating. But, I mean, it was... I mean, it's a four. It was good. It was... um, you know, as many of the textures and as much of the lighting as could be ramped up uh, in that 20-year-old engine, they definitely did it. And it looks great on Switch, especially the Switch OLED, um, with all the recolorings and the new lightings. Um, but, you know, it's still it's still the same Metroid Prime we we played before. They added some more like lore bits to it that you could find in the environment to read. But I mean, you're still covering the same missions, you know, the same biomes, etc. It's not like they um, went in and added additional levels to the thing or anything. Um, so it's good, but you know, it's not, it's not so good that I would say it's a, it's a whole new game. It's kind of, original plus dlc a little bit i just want four right you know uh, that game that they you know that they that game teased for forever ago that uh keeps getting pushed from one studio to another yeah, yeah well i mean it, it'll eventually pop out of somebody's asshole i'm pretty sure i don't know i think nintendo's gave up on it that's why we got dread yeah, which I've not played. Yeah. Um, next on the list, Hogwarts Legacy. I have some yeah. opinions. Did you finish it, Rusty? Um, I finished as much as I wanted to finish. Which is to say, that, I you fell off. I got the, there. I fell off of it though. I uh, that's kind of fair. I it's a fairly linear game that's deceptively small. It is pretty neat, but the combat is kind of boring. <laughs> what, what do you mean it's boring? It's just like, press this, press this, press this. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. <laughs> but it's, it did have some good puzzles inside the castle. Yeah, it had, some, it had some good world building elements. It had some good story bits. Um, Meh. I give it a 4-2. Yeah, it, it's... it's yeah, it's definitely an immersive game. I gave it a four, mostly because I had a lot of frame rate issues that I could not fix. I gave it a um, much worse one. <laughs> yeah, you gave it a three eight. I gave it a three eight, and there and there's a reason why I gave it a three eight. Is uh is the the game itself? All right, the combat was not my thing. Um. I actually kind of hated the combat, and in in that context, it was the combat was the best thing about the game for me, and I hated it. If that gives you any uh, any indication, um, it it just <sighs> I got so tired of listening to the kids that I just I, I, just, <laughs> I ended up play, uh, playing the game mostly on mute because I just. I couldn't stand it anymore. So there's a lot of detail in the lore though. And I liked that part. 
there is there is a lot of detail in the lore. So if you're if you're a uh, if you're a Potterhead and you like <laughs> and you like you know the Harry Potter universe, uh, you know, then yeah, that's great. And but as soon as it started opening up into fucking like you know you know capturing beasts and having a fucking farm and uh, I was done. I was done at that moment. Lost all my interest. I did not want to play Pokemon. So, you know, that I, that's pretty much it. I mostly gave it a four on the lore and the story alone, because it is a good story overarching. Um, it's a good story in that universe. It, if you are a Potter fan, it is definitely worth playing. It didn't have Quidditch um, at the beginning of the game. Well, you couldn't play yeah, Quidditch. That's true. So there was a moratorium on Quidditch, right? To so start the game off. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. Let's move on. That said, uh, Spellborn Two, or yeah. Spaceborn Two. Sorry, that game's not finished. I think it's going to be awesome when it's finished. Um, there is to explain what it is. It's like the ultimate space game done by a very, very, very small developer. It's got ground combat, it's got space combat, it's got large ships, it's got quests, it's got roguelike elements, it builds the space world around you with some kind of generative AI. Um, it's just janky as fuck right now, but it's got a pretty strong community around it. When it's done, it'll be cool, but we can exclude it from the list. It's still early access. Okay. Um, Wild Hearts. Man, that was a disappointment. I fell off that hard. Even with... A lot of streamers that I like liking it. I just couldn't get into it. Uh, three, seven for me. So, Did anybody else play it? And that's I'd, a game you don't like? I tried to... I tr uh, I downloaded it, and I was going to uh, do it, and then I said, why am I doing this? I just, I'd much rather play Monster Hunter World. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think that happened. That That same sentiment was basically what happened this year because there's a big resurgence on monster hunter world <laughs> so, i wish i was playing monster hunter world again too right so it's just like a, the worst monster Hunter world world is an s tier game yeah uh atomic heart man i like that game i hated it hard four six for me i could not get into it might have been my mental state at the time but I played about, I played too little of it to actually get into it. And uh, and then it got uninstalled. I like that the main character's an asshole. I like the weird Bioshock kind of feel to it and the weird Soviet feel to it. I like how gris grisly it gets. I like the combination of like powers and guns. I like how chunky everything is. I love the soundtrack. The soundtrack is like almost as good as the doom soundtrack um yeah i fucking loved i didn't it. give it a fair shake um one of those games to return back to mm -hmm. um here's one i will shit on all day long uh wulong fallen destiny dynasty Sorry. i couldn't get it to run very well um i don't even know that i yeah it's a three for me too I I played halfway through this game, 
struggling with map load issues, um, environmental texture issues, like falling through the environment and shit. Um, and I couldn't finish it. I just literally couldn't finish it. I got into a boss fight mid run or mid, uh, midway through the game or what I assume is midway through and got, got stuck basically falling through the environment repeatedly or getting stuck on some sort of texture in the level and the boss just waylaying the shit out of me. Um, I could not complete that game mostly because of technical issues. Um, <laughs> and then you add on to that the fact that um, this game is legitimately punishing in a bad way. Yeah, I've thought about going back to it, but I've like I've got other things to finish that I like playing better. So I may give it a fair shake later when I've got nothing else to play. But there, there I are fell parts off hard of that too. game that there are parts of that game that legitimately felt as hard as Sekiro, um, but not in a fun way. Uh, just you end up. Because it's kind of a mix of an open world, it's really easy to uh, to end up um, running into an area or running into somebody that is uh, a lot higher level than you, a lot stronger than you, and you just end up getting one-shotted a bunch, and uh, heaven forbid a quick save happened when you entered that area, because... Uh, good luck getting back out of it. Just horrible. Um, the last spell. Mm, that game's pretty good. I need to finish it. It's very hard. Um, so here's what it is. It's a turn-based battler roguelike where you save a, you gotta save a town from an impending doom. And it's got this like kick-ass kind of 16-bit metal soundtrack. And, uh, you get waves of enemies that come to your that come at your town. You get a random roll of characters to defend the town. It's done in a hyper realized kind of thirty two bit art style, and uh, kind of plays out like old Final Fantasy turn based stuff. But um, you're protecting a town, and then you've got the darkness that rolls in, and in the darkness is a bunch of monsters. And it's how you how you manage your action economy to kill multiple things before it reaches your town, um, and then you get stuff that rolls over after every night, whether you lose or you win, and you use that to buff up your abilities essentially, and inventory for attacking. It's pretty cool. It's a solid 4-1 for me. I like the game quite a bit. Um, so I guess we'll put that down for me, 4-1. Alright. Sunhaven. I haven't gotten back into it. It's a Stardew Valley-like um, a little cuter than Stardew Valley, which might put people off immediately, but it's got some cool ideas. I need to. F this I've is got a fair fantasy one, right? Yeah, it's a fantasy Stardew Valley. I don't know how much time I got in that game. Do I have enough time in that game to rate it? I feel um, like I put a, a lot of time into it, but I don't know if I actually did or not. 
Thankfully, you have 22 hours in that. That's enough time. It's a, it's about a four. Solid, but mm-hmm. like pretty solid, but I don't know if it's going to make my. I just absolutely freaking hate relationship sims. <laughs> I just can't, I can't stand them anymore. <laughs> right. Uh, moving on, Terra Nil. Man, that was a disappointment. You liked it? No, I said it was a disappointment. Oh, you didn't like it. Okay. 3-8, maybe. No, 3-5. Oh, wow. That game was easy okay. and boring and fast and way too much. I guess the only thing I got, good out of, or got out of it is somebody planted a tree because I spent money on it. Aw. 3-5. Oh, man. All right, well. well Rusty gave a 4-2. Uh, Why did you like it so I'll, much? I'll drop it down to four. Um, and there's there is a valid point. Uh, at, it's like a five hour uh, at, game. At a period of time, it just it, it just like you know it just dies. <laughs> As like, a kind of like a Zen puzzler, it's not bad, uh, and it does take some uh, you know it does change how you think about doing certain puzzles. But there's always that cleanup stage at the end of the of the runs, and that cleanup stage felt like it was forced. So it's all supposed to be like, uh, you know, leave you know, leave no trace, right? You're trying to, you know, uh, restore a wasteland and leave no trace that you did so. Um, but. I don't know. It's for me, I played it because it was more of like a Zen game and I needed that at that time. And I came away from it being like, you know, more relaxed than I came into it. Um, But I can see that there's, you know, it it was kind of didn't have a lot to it. Right. It, you know, it did what it's, it did what it wanted to do. And then it's just like, faded away afterwards. I guess I beat it really quick. I have 2.6 hours in it. Did you, I mean, oops. Undo. I think I beat every um, map on the first try. I didn't have any difficulty, and I think I just kind of like relaxed and played it. So I don't remember how much time I have in it, actually. I spent like $19 on that, too. All right, uh, moving on. Dredge. Dredge is pretty cool. Uh, Dredge is you're a fishing boat, and you go collect collect fish, and you uh, use the sell the fish and the items you find to upgrade your boat so you can go further and faster. And then at the same time, you're covering a mystery about the island, and it's very Lovecraftian. Um, it's a really weird, unique game. It's, kind of tense at times a little bit not really scary but spooky um interesting concept i think they just got another update with uh dave the diver uh solid four two yeah it's a solid four two worth playing uh everspace two that game's good it is good Solid 4-4 four, four for me. It is good. It just, um, 
Yeah, uh, I don't know. It 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 was it was all right. I think I didn't play it. I had to have played it like right at the beginning of the year because it feels like it's been forever. I put sixty one um, hours into that game. I mean, it was released in April, so yeah, yeah. It's 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 pretty good. I would say it's like a four three. Yeah, it's it's leans into the RPG elements that they started with Everspace One. It is not a roguelite. Right. It, you you got a huge map to kind of go around doing things. Um, you got little missions to do different things. It's the space flight is pretty good. It's it's a it's a solid game. I like I said, I put sixty one hours in it. And it was it's kind of came out at the right time because it was a there's a drought for space games. And uh yeah, it's it's decent enough, you know. Right. Okay. Um, Final Fantasy: Strangers of Paradise. Um, did you play that, Justin? I gotta remember what it is. This is the um, uh, this is uh, this was the remake of the original Final Fantasy. Um, yeah, that game's awful. <laughs> Three. <laughs> Awful sounds like a two, sir. Wow. Two. <laughs> it's bad. Um, it's bad? <laughs> I've got 10 hours in that game. Yeah, it's it tries to play off like a like a Devil May Cry with a Final Fantasy universe. All the voice acting is horrible. Wooden and stilted. All of the levels are generic, like super generic. The graphics are decent, uh, but not what you'd expect from Final Fantasy. I kept like adjusting my settings, thinking something is wrong. I was like, no, it just doesn't look that good. Um, it hogs an enormous amount of space, like 100 gigs. And it, I got it for like $20 on a sale and was really hoping it would be fun. I was like, oh, yeah, it's Final Fantasy. And that's a mixed bag. Um, yeah, it's just everything's aggressively average, if not below average. Like sometimes the textures like look like they came straight out of like 2005. Uh, the just everything about it is janky and weird and subpar and does not feel like it belongs as part of the Final Fantasy family. It would have been better if they had done it as like a 32-bit or a 16-bit like retro downgrade kind of thing. And then they needed to put it in the oven. That game just sucks. <laughs> this is this is the one that had the uh, the the trailer that said chaos about eighteen thousand chaos chaos. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That is correct. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm the Final Fantasy head in the you know, in the group. It I'm the one that sucks. plays has played a lot of Final Fantasy. This is a game I have not played. So. That'll tell you something. There there are a few Final Fantasies that I just didn't play. You had to remember uh, and it, and then I saw the cover when you said it. I looked it up real quick in my Steam library, and I was like, oh, yeah, that game sucked ass. Yeah. Um, wow. I'm going to give it a go, but... You're going to really try it this? Was, I, I'm, I'll give it a try. Uh, but please. it's going to be like... Hey, this is on a sale. <laughs> it's $40 brand new right now. Right. So I'm going to wait for a sale. You need to get but, it at like $10 or less. 
go mm. into it knowing this game sucks. I have played some bad games. <laughs> this is bad. This, I mean, I'm watching, you know, watching video of it, and I'm like, eh, this. Well, they make this, it look a lot cooler than it really is. Let me tell you that. It, yeah. True. Okay. It looks like, so they pull all the coolest moments out of a trailer. I'm looking at the trailer, too. This is not what the game's like. Your guy is like the biggest fucking Chad ever. And all of his voice lands are like extremely Chad. And then the fighting is just stupid. Like, there's nothing cool about the systems. They're all aggressively generic. You're essentially button mashing forever. Um, the layout and design of the levels is like extremely copy, copy pasta. The most copy pasta. It mm -hmm. feels so rushed. You look at it on a tiny trailer and it looks really good. You play it on your full screen and it looks like shit. It really does look like shit, especially compared okay. to literally any other final, like modern Final Fantasy game. Well, twelve definitely yeah. looks better on PC. Okay, I'll, 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 I'll ten dollars. Under I understand. That's why I'm saying I'm not. I'm going. Didn't go out and buy it immediately, right? So, yeah, aggressively uh, below average. <laughs> User reviews very it. positive. Well, I love Love hate, hearing you hate on Final Fantasy games. <laughs> anyway, this is just one of the stupidest ones ever. Anyways, <laughs> All right, moving on. Yeah, one only I played EA PGA Tour broke to the Masters. It's good. I give it a four point two five. If you're if you're into sports games or you're into golf, it's definitely worth it. the The courses look freaking amazing. Um. All of the, all of the physics, um, work extremely well. Um, reading greens is about as genuinely as hard as, as it is in real life. So, um, it's, it's definitely worth it. And if you're into the, those type of sim, sim games, um, best part is you don't have play online against assholes. So there you go. Yay. Um, Inscription. I played I, it. I never beat it, but I would give it a hard. I'd give it like a four one for sure. It's, it's a it's a weird game. It is a weird game. And I think that's one of the things that I liked about it. It it's like a game that's played in about oh, was it three or four different ways? Um, and your, uh, your enemies kind of like evolve over, uh, over the t uh, course of you playing the game. Uh, so it's, it's interesting in like a, you know, in a, you know, it's indie enough that it feels v very indie. It's got that, you know, that same vibe. It's dark. It's weird. It's kind of, it's kind of got a, an underlying story to it. Uh, and it's, got its built own built-in creepypasta so it's just like it, it was it was right for me at that time i played it and i'm like oh 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 yeah that's this is this is the this is the blair witch of the year for uh, for me for uh, for video games 
Yeah, and that's that's a good description. Yeah. So I gave it a four. <laughs> War Tales. It's um, a weird sandbox CRPG. It's really cool. Um, it's got some original ideas. The builds are very weird. It's very like I don't know what the kind of fantasy it is. Like there's a occasionally like the supernatural, but mostly your guys are just dudes without powers. Um, I've been told on the internet that this is not low fantasy, but whatever it is, it's like kind of barely magical fantasy. It's really cool. It has some weird survival mechanics. Um, it's pretty hard. Um, it is kind of run based. Ooh. I'm probably going to give it another go now that I'm seeing the name. 4-2. Mm. I've, I've got a fair amount of time in it, too. It's you on like uh, Game Pass. Freaking... It's on Game Pass, too, right now. Yeah, you you like those kind of uh, types of games. Dark fantasy, maybe? Yeah, I've got 28 hours in it. Like I've Medieval put... fantasy? Yeah, medieval fantasy, for sure. That's okay. a good amount. Um, Dead Island 2. Fuck zombies. It was surprisingly good. Fuck zombies. Um, I, everything I've about only it. I watched my wife play parts of it. I give and because I didn't actually play it and I just watched it, I'm giving it a four. But I mean, it didn't have, from what I saw, a lot of the issues that like the original Dead Island had on release. Now, it ran flawlessly. Um, that was a big selling point for 2023. Um, it ran <laughs> flawlessly. Um, zero issues, zero crashes. It had been play tested beforehand. It ran great. I needed another game that was kind of like uh, I needed. I needed to kill hordes of zombies, and you get to do a lot of that in this game, and you get to like make a lot of crazy contraptions. Um, yeah. Um, I like it. I give it a four three. Rusty gave it a fuck zombies, which I think is fucking up our score there, sir. It is. Just delete it. All right. Jason's uh, math Stranded Alien Dawn. What is that? Oh, I know what that game is. It's, uh, I haven't finished it. <laughs> um, it's kind of a so rim we world. We can exclude it. <laughs> we can exclude uh, it. Like, I want to play a full run of that game. It's pretty good. It's kind of very much like Rimworld with better graphics. Like, oh, yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, no, fuck that shit. It's pretty neat. I'm, 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 I'm all right. You're very into the strategy games, and I'm just not. <laughs> I like games that I can sit there and play and pause and play and pause. Well, yeah. I, I, I like a game that I can actually, like, chew into for a while. Okay. All right. Um, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. I want to fucking hate fuck this but <laughs> I feel like it needs points deducted because you had to run a mod to make it work on PC but the game is actually good it's just EA fucking sucks <laughs> yeah the more and more I stare at it I'm gonna change my rating I give it a 4.2 this is I'm gonna give it a 4.4 four. I'm gonna give it a 4.2 the the story is amazing and the fact that I actually got to complete the story um it came out April 28th this 
for me. It came out in April, and we just now played it in December. We played it the week after Christmas. Yeah. We finished it after Christmas. Yeah. Um, but I... I left a God negative did, Steam review. I mean, damn, this is one of the best crafted stories for a game all year, though. Um... <laughs> the the okay. uh the story writing itself um the couple of really big twists in the story etc are far as as far as I'm concerned actually elevate the story a little bit above Diablo's story but um Man, it was plagued by issues um, on its initial PC release, and uh, you know that can't necessarily really be forgiven. But I also don't want to completely tank a what is a really good game just because the uh, the PC port uh, fucking sucks. The PC port fucking sucked. Yeah, it didn't have multi-threading in it. Yeah. So. Um, next on the list, Redfall. That game is fucking broke. It's a joke. It, it, it was, uh, Redfall. Um, yeah. That so game, Redfall is, is, uh, this year's, um, <laughs> anthem. Redfall is this year's fucking shitty ass fucking it's brown a, note. Yeah. It was, it was 11 like, and a half. It was supposed to be, it was supposed supposed to be the the kind of game that I could get into because it was not not straight up zombies it was vampires but and there's a huge but because oh my god is it a but that game sucked so hard that I didn't even want to download it <laughs> you could get I it played through free. it I played through it and it I played through single player mode right but like I barely had any encounters I played I want to say three hours. I was like, "Is what's going on here? Like, why is there nothing happening? Like, everything was aggressively... It, it felt like shovelware. It wasn't supposed to be. No, it was supposed to but be. But they, uh, uh, it, it just, it, it just went into this weird development, you know, you know, pit. And there was just not a lot of effort put into it. And then... Afterwards, they they almost immediately abandoned it. So I was like, oh, well, I mean, the game was... It had a decent trailer. <laughs> that was about it. It's just so... Meh. So meh. And so... Um, broken. I mean... The three hours I played of it, I spent a quarter of that time literally floating like a foot off of the ground, crouched, because that's how my character's animation got stuck. <laughs> it just, there, there's no excuse for that shit. Yeah, it's broken. It was broken. Very bad. It was definitely broken. Broken bad enough, I didn't even want to go back to it. At least 
Jedi, I knew I was going to go back to it at some point after the patches, etc. But um, Redfall, no, I just I wrote it off completely. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Darkest Dungeon Two. It's you, that's an interesting really game. It's interesting. I want to like it more than I do, and I just can't get back into it. It's the first one's grindy, yes, but I like the progression path a lot better in the first one than I do in the second one. The second one has shorter runs, which should be a plus, but for some reason it's not. Um, I did really I can't like figure the carry chain animation for travel, though. I do, too. I mean, the it's fact that they made that a mini game is cool as fuck. Four, two, five. That's as high as I'm going to give it. Mm. Right. Okay. Yeah, because um, I didn't play it, so. Yeah, there's a lot of games that on... we, we just kind of like, you're going to be the specialty on this one. <laughs> yep. Um, Marvel's Midnight Suns. That really did come out late last year, and I think we graded it in last year's Game of the Year. Did we? Yeah. Yep. I looked at the list. I think we should just exclude it. it. It's a good game, though. It is a good game. It's one that I've got installed and meaning to go back to, because, yeah. Um, I, I needed something like that, but not necessarily as deep as some of the other games and I, I did enjoy like knocking people into barrels and you know using the environment a little bit more yeah it's pretty I like it a lot All the, right. uh, here's one on moving on to one only I played Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom it's good it, um, it is it is in a lot in a lot of ways, Breath Breath of the Wild, but with um, uh, new additional gameplay features added in that are actually good, um, and the the mainline story of this one's even better than Breath of the Wild. You know, uh, in a lot in a lot of ways. Um, Breath of the Wild felt like a, um, you know, like a updated version of of Ocarina of Time. Um, this one had more more time travel elements to it, but um, you weren't just going around uh, releasing super weapons to do your work for you. Um, uh, the story was just the story was a great upgrade versus Breath of the Wild. So I give this game a four point five. If you if you were a fan of Breath of the Wild, um, you will like this game if you can get over your preconceived prejudices from from all of the early reviewers out there who just said it was Breath of the Wild DLC because it is more than that. Um. You know, if you can, if you can end up picking it up on one of Nintendo's rare sales where you're not paying, uh, 
50 or 60 bucks for it then uh definitely get it i think it's worth a play i've got a question for you huh weapon durability is it still a thing it absolutely Mm -hmm. is still a thing they did keep that that element yep fuck that game (laughs) i'm sorry but fuck that game they did keep that element though that's uh, the one thing that i hated about breath of the wild and uh tears of the kingdom if it's one of the things that it's got i don't want to play it is it like is it like three enemies and you're done with the with weapon uh with the basic weapons that you're picking up at the start of the game absolutely it is but they introduce a new mechanic so you actually unlock a power fairly early on where you can actually uh fuse uh another weapon to the weapon that you're holding or fuse a rock or you know other things in the environment to your weapon that actually increases the durability and also increases how hard it hits depending on exactly what you attach it's um and you can even attach like rubies or or opals or stuff like that to to the weapons and then it gives it powers like shooting balls of lightning or whatever mm-hmm. um so it's actually in that respect they improved the mechanic quite a bit your shit still breaks master sword break um you don't have the master sword for good portion of this game right but the master sword so does <laughs> I'm, the master I'm just sword gonna... does the master sword does run out of energy uh-huh i will say the recharge time is faster than what i remember it being in breath of the wild though okay i'm sorry so you're came... you're relying on your other weapons less once you have it sorry but weapon of legend should never run out of energy and let's move on to the next one <laughs> uh warhammer 40k bolt gun this is a justin game i it haven't is. finished it i fell off oof um i want to exclude it for that reason okay um halls of torment that game's pretty good so um halls of torment and it's a survivor like but it's on spin it's pretty good uh, for survivor like one that we played uh halls of torment and uh death must die death must die is another one that we played a lot of yep um i don't know what to rate halls of torment I think Halls of Torment was less. It was. It had that Diablo, that like Diablo, the original Diablo style, yeah, um, aesthetic to it. It's a and I don't want it to beat out other things. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. Uh, it's middling no, for me. It's about worry, a three. Don't worry about your rating, Justin, because I can always tie break that and make sure it doesn't. Yeah. I'll say it's a it's a three. I say it's a four. I like it a lot, but I don't. That's a three nine. You had a three nine. I'm not a big. I'm not a big fan of it because it it just it didn't have a whole lot going for it. Like there's a lot more that you can do with other survivor likes. Right. 
It's probably in the top ten of Survivor likes, but if it is, it's in the, it's like number ten. Gotcha. Um, Diablo Four. I got a boatload of time in that. Man, that is a weird. I mean, we all do. It's a divisive game because mm-hmm. season is it season two or season one? Whatever season, season one sucked. Season one was bad. But season they t- one broke the game for pretty much all of our builds. But it did come back pretty hard. I mean, I've got like five different characters. I played the fuck out of that game. It's a. It's probably my favorite Diablo game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the only reason I have it as low as 4.5 is just because... I'll go 4.5. Of how, of how hard Season 1 broke the game for us. I mean, none and of I, us went back to it for months until they released Season 2 and reversed a lot of the fucking I could, breaking that they did. I've probably got almost as much out of it as I want to get out of it, but like I've had a blast. I've probably got like 250 hours in that stupid game this year. Um, I played a yeah. we played a lot during the summer, and we played a lot we in did. November. Oh well, yeah, we played a lot while you were here in August, Rusty. Yeah, the um, uh, so Diablo was, uh, you know, it was basically a, a a game that I kept coming back to. You know, if there was some change, I would go through. I think I've got like six characters, um, and it's it's all right. What I really want, though, is I really want Path of Exile too. So Diablo is kind of sitting there filling the need for an ARPG while I wait for Path of Exile too, because I feel like Path of Exile is a better game overall than any of the Diablos have ever been. Well, if you can sit me down for class and show me what to do with it, I'll give it a <laughs> shot. Cause it's, it's... For, for, uh, for Path of Exile, if, if I could teach you how to play Path of Exile, then I would probably just be a YouTuber and do that shit and make money off of it. And just give um, me something. I don't have to watch two hours of build videos to figure out what I want to do. It's... I want to I want a melee build, and then you help me do that, and then we'll. we'll how, how about this? When Path of Exile Two comes out, we'll both tackle that shit together, and we'll both learn it at the same time. Yeah, that I think way, it comes out got July. Two minds, you know, at least two minds. Jason can come in and be. We'll have three fucking minds, you know, trying to figure this shit out because <laughs> one of us is going to have to work the calculator. Right. So, it is that kind of game. And uh, Jason, that kind of game. Jason is the most math-brained out of all of us. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna need to get the spreadsheet out and you know min-max the fuck out of us, you know, Jason, because you know <laughs> Justin's over there like <laughs> he hit meat with mallet, <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm like shoot shit with bullets. <laughs> 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 yeah, we'll definitely get into Path of Exile 2 at some point. It, but yeah, at least it'll be free to play multiplayer on mine. So yeah, so yeah it'll be Diablo 4 is just there's there's a lot of shit that they keep trying to change, and they I'm do not have... a big fan of the monetization for uh, for Diablo, you yeah. know. But it's not nearly as bad as say Path of Exile because Path of Exile you know monetizes literally everything. Yeah, um, out of the box, it played fine. It was fine. the The story 
actually introduced me to uh you know that introduced me to uh, one of the breakout freaking voice actors you know I mean there's oh yeah that voice actor for uh what's his face yeah with the, I mean with the gravelly voice yes can't remember his name <laughs> now but anyways yeah one of the voice actors is really cool yeah the voice actor for you know for um what the fuck his name is uh yeah it's like oh he's in two he's in two fucking big releases like back to back <laughs> so it's good shit anthony howell is that right that the next game he's in is the next game we're going to talk about um anthony howell yeah he played elias elias that's right i just typed in voice actors for diablo 4 and he's one of the main ones and recognized his face right yeah well he's he's in the next game we're going to talk about here what final yep, fantasy he is uh final fantasy 16 oh that's right uh, so i could final fantasy 16 came you know came out right around the same time did you beat it i did beat it what's your final rating on that game uh so final fantasy 16 has some really good moments like really good moments i wish i could get so, back into it 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 had probably some of the best big boss fight scenes yeah it's in i know, don't in a uh, uh in a final fantasy i don't disagree i forgot why i fell off of it and i forgot i had that game so maybe i'll go back and play it i'm yeah i'm like 3 quarters of the way through it i think it is it is it's the the combat itself uh is it is fairly simple though it does have a um uh you can add additional challenge to it by adding or removing certain accessories um so that you have to you know you have to do active dodges and shit like that but it's it's very action based as far as the combat but i didn't hate the combat i didn't um, hate the story either or the characters so that was a plus for me that's why i yeah, gave it a 4 the, 3 some it, of the characters it is one from, of the darker final fantasies for one of the darkest ever. yeah it is it is very darker uh very dark it's it is gritty um and uh it's it is an interesting story as it evolves um you know so i i really enjoyed it like it had political intrigue and freaking assassinations and fucking like you know big big fucking moments happening uh in a in a world that was just like you know it it felt like final fantasy so they did a really good job with it of course you know uh yoshi p was the producer for that game and he's done some stupid great shit for uh final fantasy 14 so i i kind of held this game to that standard and he met it so okay fair enough i gave it a four six right. i gave it a four three all right um dave the diver i didn't it's a solid finish it. game i didn't finish it uh for me i, I did it's a four two for me um I thought it got a little bit repetitive, but what did you give it? So 
it's you finish so right near the end of it it it's it just gets to be all right like it starts it starts out repetitive but it gets interesting and then it just becomes like i don't know i think they wanted to do like an action scene at the end and it's just totally different than what it was you know what it really came down to so i'm going to give it a 4 like it starts out zen then it gets uh, then it has some intrigue and then it goes into action instead of you know so it's more like diving combat instead of dave the diver and then they have a couple different elements to it it's just it, it just doesn't feel right as a as a full package <laughs> i just but it is a good game it's 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 worth playing I just wish there was more of the Zen portion of it. Fair enough. All right, move along. Okay. Move along. Jagged Alliance 3. I didn't finish it because better things were going on. Just exclude it. I don't want to rate it low because I didn't give it enough time. Uh, Xenonauts 2. Still in early access is pretty awesome, but just exclude it. Remnant 2. Man, that game's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Four. Um, I, I'm just gonna say four seven. I love that game. It's I like I it better than the original. I like it better than the original Remnant. Well, I do too. Um, the Remnant games, the, the Remnant games are actually you know pretty interesting. But um, I'd I'm go back sure in and play. Give I'd go back and play it right now. Mm-hmm. It's better multiplayer. It's it's still fun single player. The way they do the uh random stuff is really fucking good um all the systems seem to work pretty well you can be, be kind of broken with your builds and there's a better weapon diversity than there was before by a long shot there is but there's there's also like and um, there's unfortunately there's like best in slot so once you get to that point you know there's really no progression once you get that gun, you can't really upgrade it any more than you than maximum. You know, I wish there was a way to you know to go through that and you know, I, I'm on this really weird kick where I want to play a game that eventually just delevels you at some point. Like, I want you to you know, to go into a uh, into a a uh, a combat scenario and it forces you to use. A different gun. I, well, I've got, thought, I've got thoughts into a specific. I've got thoughts for that um, towards the end of the podcast because there is a <laughs> game that I played that it does exactly that. But I can give. I'm going to give it a four three because it is good. It's it is a very good game. Um, but the Remnant games have always been better with friends, and it's kind of a rarity, unfortunately, for me. So, um, it's not very good solo. I tried playing it solo. It's it's not very fun. Well, I played most of it solo, and I liked it. But that being said, um, all right, uh, Dead Cells: Return to Castlevania. Uh, uh, it's a I'm DLC. intentionally skipping one. It's a, it's you, a DLC. Let's. It's cool. Yeah, I don't want to rank it with anything. Just exclude it. Okay. Um, Armor Core 6. Ooh, solid 4-5 for me. 
Um, took me a minute to get into it. I had to play it in short bursts to figure it out. Um, once I got to a point where I figured out how the builds work and how everything worked, it became really fun and a really weird challenge. I don't know that many times that I could beat my head against the wall and still have fun. Um, it is definitely one of the hardest games I've ever played, period. And it felt good to beat it and then to get into New Game Plus. And I could continue playing it because they add missions on New Game Plus. Um, it's a really good game. Um, four, four, four or five for me. It's the lowest rated Miyazaki game, but it's still really good. Four or five is an ex- excellent score. I couldn't get past the tutorial. That game is on the shelf, but yeah, I, I, I was bored one day. Tried to you know tried to uh, the introductory mission, got my shit kicked in, and I'm like, I don't know if I can deal with this right now. <laughs> and it's and it's been on it's been on the shelf ever since. So I, I fully intend to play it. It's just I could I couldn't do it this you know this year. Gotcha. All right, uh, Starfield. Oh God. It's a divisive game. I definitely got my money's worth out of it. Yeah. Um, so did I. I, I feel bet, like I I did. I feel like it could go from good to great with some key changes. Um, it wants you to keep playing it over and over again, and at a certain point I just couldn't do it anymore. And because, uh, you know, there's only so many outcomes to the mission. Some of the stuff's kind of dated. They could have had better. There's a whole lot of... The problem with Starfield is I have an expectation of the perfect space game, and it's not. It's a jack-of-all-trades space game where it doesn't do anything superior to everybody else. It just does everything, right? And so it does everything better than average. So, like, there are things that No Man's Sky does better than it, but No Man's Sky does one thing really good, which is planet generation and, and piloting and exploration, but its combat sucks, and its mission structure sucks, and the talking to people sucks, and the figuring out what you're doing next sucks. So on those accounts, like, No Man's Sky kind of sucks, but it does have some cool points, right? Tried playing it again last month, could not get into No Man's Sky again. Right. Um, Elite Dangerous does piloting ships great, does an open sandbox awesome. Um, is better with friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is, it is better with friends. Yes, it, it has used to be the best VR space game in the entire world. Real life physics are amazing. Real life flight is amazing. As far as figuring out what to do, you really create your own stuff to do, and then you just have fun flying the ship and upgrading your ship slowly, bit by bit. Yeah, and it's missions it's, sucked. The missions are trash and elite dangerous. Like it's taken me this long to realize they are trash. The missions in Starfield are pretty good for the most part. Um, some of the random missions, the faction ones. Yeah, the space dog fighting is very arcadey. It's not bad. It's not great. It could have been, like I said, it it didn't have elite level, but elite just focused on that one thing, right? And so, because it's that jack of all trades, and everybody wants it to have the flight of elite dangerous, to have the planet transition and load times as like again. No Man's Sky does that better than Starfield, but Starfield's a more enjoyable experience. I, I put 90 hours into No Man's Sky trying to make it fun and never quite got there. 
And I had fun with Starfield. I just, I went to New Game Plus 4, and at that point I'm doing the same things, and I, I don't change my gameplay enough, like I should, if I want to play it that way, to make it as more interesting. Now, I did get to the interesting parts of, can I spoil this game right now? Is this going to um, kill it for you, Jason, or no? Uh, no, you're good. Go. When you beat the game, you become Starborn, and it changes the way the game plays, right? You can speed run it to get all the artifacts and become Starborn again in about two hours and do another new game plus. And then it changes the intro again. And then by the time you get to new game plus four, um, all the characters in my squad were me when I got the constellation because they'd all been doing the same thing. And so the constellation quest got really fucking weird. That part was really cool. And nobody else was doing no game plus that way, which is why I thought that part was really neat. What, what hurts Starfield besides the bugs get blown out of proportion. There's so many people playing Starfield that everybody's discovered every bug imaginable, but it was not nearly as buggy as Fallout 4 when it released. Like Starfield ran pretty good. I had it crash about three times, right? I never had an asteroid follow me. I never had a whole city follow me out of an atmosphere. Like none of those things happened. I know they have happened to people, but it just people for one reason or another, just there was a lot of hate when it came out because it was a, it was a Microsoft exclusive. And for the first time in ever, Bethesda wasn't making a game that was on PlayStation, right? It started with Redfall, and Redfall was legitimately bad. And then it came, Starfield came out, and all the PlayStation fanboys were like, fuck this game. It's not coming to our console. Let's just find every piece of shit. Because unfortunately, for people that are 15 years younger than us, there's still that fanboyism that happens between the two companies. Um, and people nowadays are louder than they were even back then on the internet. And so, like, it became a trending thing to hate on Starfield, even to the point that the game journals just followed the trend because it got lots of, you know, lots of traffic on their sites, right? Like that's a hypothesis of mine. But when I look at the likes on that stuff and I look at how like Facebook and X would like alg algorithm, the algorithm on it, right? Was just article after article bitching, bitching about some different thing that somebody didn't like about Starfield, right? And again, expectations, Todd Howard is horrible about this and maybe one of the most egotistical bullshit game developers ever, right? Um, again, I, I feel comfortable saying that because he's done <laughs> shit in games. Yeah, it just works. It's so dumb. Get a better <laughs> PC. I got a good PC, Todd. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but, you know, they set expectations really high and where they fail to deliver is – there's only so many locations that generate on a planet, right? And you, after you've visited about 15 or 20 planets, you've seen all the different randomized location events that you can do. And then sometimes you run across weird ones, like there's one that's very much based off thing. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a lot of cool stuff that happens with that, but they needed about 100% more of those locations, or they needed to use something that generated some of those locations so it wasn't, you know, space pirates every time I went to one of those. Um, it, the game is too easy, right? Like I cranked it up to hard and then sometimes under very hard so I could get higher level elite enemies. So I got better loot. Yep. I did the same. Um, and yeah, you do, there's a lot of load screens. There's not really a lot of danger in space travel like there could have or should have been, right? Like if we went to yeah, a high level system, like maybe there should have been like asteroids I had to dodge, like once I warped in. Maybe they should do a thing where, like, once I warp in, I kind of have to, like, taxi my way into the planet so I can't just – because you basically can create a base, right, where you drop off all your shit 
And then you can fast travel from that base to any one of the cities as long as you don't have illicit cargo on you. And then there's the whole selling system, which like even when you're at max profiting talent or whatever, like you have to go to one planet and sell everything and wait and then sell everything. And they had a similar problem in Skyrim, but it wasn't nearly as bad. Um, because oh, all of their all the, of their games had that problem. It's the, not just Skyrim. It was Morrowind had that problem. Yeah, there was, a, there was a fucking uh, mud crab in Morrowind that was specifically to res, uh, to resolve that problem because it was a mud crab in the middle of a fucking lake right outside the you know uh, right outside the town that you got dropped in. If I remember correctly, or very close to Vivek City, that had like five thousand gold on it, and would buy all of your shit. I did not know that, but <laughs> but that being said, like that's the problem. Like everybody has like five thousand or ten thousand bucks, right? Ten thousand space bucks, right? And it's really easy to get stuck in a loop of like picking up everything and selling everything, and then using your your characters as pack horses right like they could have done things that were more interesting with the characters like i'm going to a lot of detail because i feel like it's not the bethesda has definitely made better games and i'll speak to that in a second but it's like it's a year away from being like a 4-8 game but if they do the right things but as it stands right now for me it's like a 4-4 but i put well over 200 hours in it. Um, but I genuinely like the game. I just, you know, there's a lot of things that like things like the inventory sorting was like kind of fucked, but like actually playing it just moment to moment. And the game was really fun, right? I had fun going through all of the factions. I actually had the least fun with the corporate spy network part of the thing. I thought that was kind yeah, of, boring. I had the same problem. Um, the pirate quests are pretty fun. The uh, the secret mission thing was pretty fun. Yep. Um, the uh, some of the epic space battles were fairly epic. I wish there were more epic space battles. At a cer- I, certain I, point, you don't need to. Uh, <laughs> you don't. Need I could to- go ahead. I can say of of what I've played, I've definitely enjoyed. Um, the shipbuilding and piloting more so than I have, um, you know, walking around bases and I, doing all that shit. I and think that the, the ground combat great. just the ground combat, believe it or not, to me actually felt like kind of a downgrade from Fallout 4. Well, the weapons mm. aren't as neat, no. Now, see, I, I I beg to differ. I think that the the guns themselves, they were there was a bunch of different guns, but they all fired very similarly. Yeah, that's so true. it really felt like you had maybe a handful of guns, but there was about forty variations of those handful. Yeah, and the way they did the tier system on it for the different weapons like could have been handled better or made more obvious like right. this it's, is the next best one or this is the top tier version of that type of gun that was very more that was very much rpg-ish like uh so that you didn't become overpowered right away honestly 
they could have dealt with that by having the uh uh, the damage scale with your uh, with your level, so that you could find a gun and uh, and do uh, you can find guns that have different like different affixes to them, right? But the damage would scale with your uh, with your level, so that you could get one that has extra damage. And say, if at level five it does five damage per shot. But at level six, it does six damage per shot and goes off. Then you don't have to change the gun out so much. And then they then instead of having uh, in, instead of having you do. You know, basically like a Diablo esque fucking loot run for, you know, for you know, uh, different guns and different roles on guns, you could actually just go looking for components and, you know, and use the crafting system that was in the game and could have been better <laughs> there's so many things that was just like left on the ground you know they built the system for it but really didn't flush it out like they could have yeah and it's it's like there was there's so much opportunity for modders to come in and build that game better and I think that is, I think that is Bethesda's play because I mean, it worked so well for Skyrim. I mean, yeah, I'm still waiting on a modder to fix the mini maps, right? Right. Like, yeah, the mini map is confusing. Like, there's just there is a lot to that game. Um, it's it doesn't meet the expectation with what it's promising, but the game, the moment to moment gameplay is better than most space games. Like. If it had the combat of Everspace, like that would help it out a lot. If it fixed a lot of the randomization, that would help out a lot. If they fixed the way they sort things, that would help out a lot. Like those are all little things. They gave you more reason to have the automated base. That would help out a lot, right? Like you've got all these like systems that are in there that are like three quarters of the way there that are just not quite there. And so it's like on the edge of excellence. While still being a good game, it's just not quite there, which is, again, and also putting 200 hours in it, which is on the higher end of, I probably haven't put that much time in more than 20 games ever. So that's why it gets the 4-4 for me. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's there and it could have been better. It's not a bad game. It's just, it's just Bethesda being Bethesda. Yeah, There's right. so much potential that they could have done, but they just didn't get to. Yep. Um, moving on, God of Weapons. That's a weird Survivor-like that I like, but is on the lowest tier Survivor-likes for me for this year, so I'm giving it a 3.8. Check it out if you want and get it on. It's not that expensive. You can probably get it for less than $5. $5.09 right now, buddy. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. That's pretty close. There you are. Um, next is a title both Justin and I played on Game Pass, uh, Lies of P. That game's excellent. For that game is seven. Great. That is one of my favorite games this year. Uh, that is one of my favorite games the last five years, honestly. Like, uh, there's not a lot of games that do Souls as good as Souls. It does Souls as good as Souls. It is the closest thing you're going to get to Bloodborne ever. It's a little bit more approachable. It's a little bit more linear. The parry window is a little bit better. 
Um, it doesn't it, want you to dodge as much as everything else. Once you get used to parrying in that game, like it's game over for everything. I it, three shot it the is, final boss, but it, it is, is hard souls, for a while. It is souls with an actual linear story. Um, yeah, and a linear which, path, so you can just which to me is the best upgrade you could give a Souls game. To me, it's a little bit of a downgrade, but I understand. Like, if you're wanting to get through it and like hundred percent it naturally, it's kind of easy to do that because the path is there. It's not hard to figure out where you need to go next. Like, it signposts everything pretty well. It lets you explore the levels pretty well. It's not a whole lot of Metroidvania go back to this level except for a handful of times. Um, the story's done pretty well. Um, it is a newer studio. It looks and it runs great on PC. Um, and it's got very tight timing on the controls. Like, it's just a really well-crafted game. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, not an eventually. It was great. You gave it a 4.7. I give it a 4.5. Um, you know, I definitely had a great time with it. And that's the highest ranking I've gave a Souls game. So, that I actually got to play. Yeah, you um, need to play I've Elden Ring. I've still not gotten to play Elden Ring yet. So You know, the best game that's almost ever come out. Right. Um, <laughs> next, Moonstone Island. Uh, Pokemon Stardew Valley. It's a 3-9. So it's, it's decent. Um, I may dive back into it, but it's not great. Um, Lamplighters <laughs> League. Man, I wanted to like that game a lot because it's done by the people that did Battletech and Shadowrun. It's their weakest entry ever. Um, it does stealth pretty poorly. It also didn't work very well. It wouldn't save my game on Game Pass. Um, and so I lost hours of progress. And after trying and running through the same two hours four times, I uninstalled that fucker. Um, broke as fuck, man. Um, Three. Damn. Not worth your time, guys. Sorry. All right. Uh, sea of Survivors. Um, That takes a while to get into. And once it makes sense, it clicks, and it's cool. It is a very cheap, very simple game. It's not as cool as Vampire Survivors, but it is Pirate oh. Survivors. <laughs> it's cool. I'll give it a four. It's survivor likes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Okay. All right. Uh, Endless Dungeon. Um. So Dungeon of the Endless, which was the prequel to this, is a better game. And it's simpler, but has a lot more variety and a lot better run variety. There's something about the randomization on the levels in this game that make it feel very samey. Um, I've basically beaten the game four times, and I don't even know how much time I have in it. I want to say like maybe 20 hours. Which is crazy for me because it took, I think I put sunk 60 or 80 hours into Dungeon of the Endless. Um, let's say Endless. I want to type it in. How much time do I have in it? 18.6 hours and I beat three runs. Yeesh. Um, there's something about it that's just not nearly as good. Dungeon of the Endless, 48 hours. And that was beating it multiple times. Uh, four, four. I'm never going back to it. It was a good, it was, I had some good runs, but I'm never going back to it. Four. 
Uh, Lord of the Rings, Return to Moria. I want to like that game so much, but I don't. Um, I'll explain. For a game about mining, you can only mine in certain spots. It never wants you to build an epic base. It wants you to progress from zone to zone, finding the materials you need to do by mining, but never really wants you to put enough time and effort into your base to make it cool. Um, there's not any, like, to my knowledge anyway, no traps or anything that you can set up around your base to help dissuade the hordes of enemies that come at you. And the combat is god-awful. Well, the combat is bad. It, I was saying it was rough when I was really trying to like it. Looking back on it, the combat is some of the worst melee combat I've ever played in my entire life. Um, it looks cool. I love how the fact that the dwarves sing. I like the attention to lore and all those details. But the progression and the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay is just not there, man. 3-5. It's a disappointment. All right. Damn. Uh here, here's uh, a three. We're gonna go to three. Tinder, Alan Wake two. I haven't beaten it yet. It seems like it's gonna be really good. Um, we'll see if I beat it next week. It's it may be one of the best games ever made. I don't know. Um, I'm a pussy. I'm <laughs> nine hours into that game. I got to go into this basement under a fucking barn, and I, I have worked on a completely different game in anticipation of not going to the basement. <laughs> it's really well done. It's a very uh, well done game. I need to play it, but I think I think the fact that it's frightening him into other games has to give it points. Right? The production and everything about it is amazing, but I don't want to rate a game that I haven't that I'm a third of the way through. I'm not even a quiet quarter of the way because through. There's not a lot of games that I've played Alan Wake is is on the list of games, but it's um, it's good. Yeah. Like I kind of want to give it a question mark because I may have it done by next week. I may have to like force my way through it. Right, it, it's definitely one I want to play. I just didn't have the funds at the end of the year to make that happen. So, um, Risk of Rain returns. It's okay. It's nowhere near as good as Risk of Rain Two. It's I've just beat, a better version of Risk of Rain. Right, which was an original. okay game. Which was an okay game. Right. Uh, 3-5. It's side-scrolling, and it's kind of hard to go back to the side-scrolling, uh, you know, kind of adventure uh, when you've had, you have Risk of Rain 2, which I could drop into a game of Risk of Rain 2 right now, and I'd be happy. All right. Um, Avatar, Frontiers of Pandora. I did not think I was going to like this game. I kind of hate Avatar, I, so let us know why <laughs> you think it's great. Okay. I did not think I was going to like this game as much as it did. I actually kind of bought this game, and I said, I am bored enough that I'm going to play a big Smurf game. And... <clears throat> uh hug some trees and and do some uh do some things like i'm not the biggest fan of avatar um but it had been it had been years since i've watched the movie uh and i uh i said you know what just just looking at the gameplay um uh, 
it looks interesting enough. Uh, and then I was convinced to you know to pick it up because of a reviewer that I highly respected. Oh, Splatter you know, Cat? Uh, no, uh, ACG. Okay. Um, I, I respect his his opinion because he says it like it is, and if it, if he thinks that it's you know not worth picking up, he'll tell you right off the bat. Um, the, and he goes into a lot of like technical detail into uh, you know how the game you know plays and sounds and acts. What I found about this game is that all open world games should really f- you know come from this you know take this perspective there was a freedom of movement in uh in avatar that i that i found was sorely lacking in just about every other open world game like i don't expect everybody to be seven foot tall right but in in this game in uh, in avatar if i'm going in a direction and i jump you i don't awkwardly bounce off of a fucking rock if i if if it's not there i you know the there's it automatically kind of mounts a uh you know a a cliff face or onto a branch or something like that if it if you if you're within logical reach of something your character's going to try to you know to grab a hold of that you know that you know, rock face or whatever, and try to move, you know, move up from there. Um, and I go from that and I went and played, um, uh, uh, Far Cry six and I couldn't, I couldn't get on top of a fucking box that was, you know, shoulder height, you know, and that there was a, big big contrast as to like if this was avatar i'd be on top of that motherfucker immediately whereas this dude can't fucking you know you know jump over a fence that's you know ch- you know chest high you know i don't it, it felt it felt like the game was un you know uh far cry 6 was actually unnaturally dating my progression by making it so that my character can't jump you know but uh, what I found that I enjoyed most about Avatar was just, you know, the the world that they built was very, very colorful. And it had a lot to it. Like, sure, there was there's uh, periods where you're kind of just running through the forest uh, to get from point A to point B. But though everything was built in such a way that it looked like you were running through a forest and not just like an open area that was randomly generated. It felt like there was wildlife paths that you could follow. There's fallen logs with, you know, with flowers that make you run a little bit faster. That's on it. Uh, there's, you know, different things that happen you know, randomly as you're going through there, you could hear gunshots off in the distance and find that there's fucking humans over there, like trapping an animal. And you can get a little bit of a, a bonus for actually going over there and, you know, you know, helping the animal out. You know, it's, it was, it was interesting enough that I 
you know, that I beat the game and I've uh, and I felt good about it. Like there was a decent story to it. The stealth was a little it, it took a little bit of getting used to. Um, but once I figured out the stealth, um, it made it so that I, you could go through, you know, uh, the the human encampments and actually just like almost Far Cry the you know the human encampments where you can go through completely stealth uh, stealth way and you know clear them out, which made things uh, you know it made things very you know very much more approachable because going face to face with uh you know with a mech isn't isn't necessarily the best way to go about it especially if you're a squishy blue uh squishy blue smurf with a with a bow and arrow yeah but you're like a nine seven squishy blue smurf <laughs> seven or eight foot tall fucking yeah or ten foot tall fucking you know a big blue smurf that can like one shot punch a fucker uh <laughs> 10 feet backwards yeah <laughs> um the sense of scale that you get from that game just from being like because you're playing the game through the through the eyes of a uh, of a navi um your character looks down at humans and has to like squat to be able to talk to them on the on the level uh and that was kind of you know, it was kind of neat because once you're out in the uh, in the forest, everything kind of feels like normal. But when you're interacting with humans, they all look small. Uh, so it's it's an interesting, you know, they do some interesting uh, things with scale in that game. That, I don't know. I, I thought I was going to hate it. I thought it was just going to be like because it was an Ubisoft game. I thought it was just going to be like, uh, oh, this is Far Cry Primal. You know, <laughs> um, but it turned out that uh, it was actually relatively enjoyable to play. Um, the story didn't really piss me off, uh, you know, all that much. Uh, and I'm I'm a bit more. um a bit more open minded with, you know, to the Avatar movies than, say, Justin is. Um, but I'm not necessarily like, I love those movies. Those are awesome. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm like, okay. Uh, as far as, as, as far as a sci-fi, you know, uh, movie is concerned, it's not the worst sci-fi movie I've ever seen. <laughs> right. Um, and they do go into a lot more of the, you know, uh, the avatar lore, um, the, you know, the Pandora lore. I think you get more out of it if you play the game and understand it a little bit more than if you watch the movies because they put they have the opportunity to put a whole lot more into it. Uh so I I don't I I really enjoyed it. Um I'm going to give that game uh that game's going to be a a good Well I'm going to give it a 4/6. Damn, that's a you uh, really like that game. Yeah, it's I really enjoyed the you know the time I, I put into it. Uh, it does have it does suffer from a couple RPG style elements with the uh, with weapons and armor. Um, 
because once you get once you get to the point where you can craft uh your your own uh weapons and armor uh the only time that you upgrade is when you can you know when you get to a new area and get better materials you know so you go through get to the new area upgrade your uh your weapons and armor and bam you're like you're walking through like god at that point so it's it has that that downfall that they tried to add that uh that system into it but otherwise you know the you know the gameplay itself is is fun and like i said probably one of the best traversal systems uh that i've seen I just well, wish that's some pretty high more praise. games were freer than that, like that. Nice. So. All right. Uh, Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader. Let's see. How many hours do I have in this game? I am almost done. I think I'm almost done with this. Rogue Trader. I'm at 101 hours as of today. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn. This game is stupendous. Um, so, Rusty, you're talking about a game that um, takes away the power fantasy at certain points. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't say what chapter, but about midway through the game, um, there is a point where you're the whole level is basically a, a whole chapter. And you get so you know how you get injuries in Baldur's Gate? Yeah. So you can only get rid of your injuries if you go back to the ship. Well, on this particular level, you can't go back to your ship. Now, you can find items that will get rid of injuries, but you are so fucked up that you have injuries on top of injuries and you suck. And you have to, for 20 hours of the game, you're trying to figure out how to get to be in a badass again. Um, And it's right in the middle of the game. And it makes you rethink your strategies on everything, and it puts the game on like stupid hard mode for a little while. Um, it's a turn-based CRPG based in the Warhammer 40k universe. You are a rogue trader, which means that you uh, operate a section of the empire. Um, you're so wealthy that you operate in terms of profit factor. You do not have money because you're worth trillions of dollars because you uh, have the uh, economy of billions of people under you, whole worlds, uh, several worlds. Um, like tens of worlds are under you. Um, you lead an elite party um, through several different encounters. There's a lot of story, a lot of world building. The lore's done really well, even for somebody who doesn't know a lot about Warhammer. Uh, I am I've known about I know about Warhammer through osmosis of playing lots of Warhammer games. I've never read books or played the tabletop, but I do like the games. Um, this one is definitely the most lore heavy Warhammer game I've ever played. Um, but it explains it really well. The story's done quite well. The uh, One example of something that happened. So I was looking for points of no return, right? Is it ever going to telegraph it? Well, no. There are some points of no return where you can lose your whole party um, based on the decisions that you've made throughout the game. So you've got three basic character arcs you can follow that you can mix and match as you go. I have not mixed and matched very much. Um, I waver... A little bit heretical, mostly iconoclast. I'm a man of the people, and a little bit dogmatic. So, following the uh, the teachings of the empire, right? Um, you tend to turn into a crazy dictator as dogmatic, though. Um, like execute people on the spot for heresy and all that kind of stuff, and you can play it that way. 
Um, not all of your characters are extremely dogmatic, so that's kind of a hard way to go. Um, I'm playing it more iconoclastic, so at the same point where one person was saying this is the point of no return, I had no problem with. Um, my character is a smart ass. He's kind of a hard ass. Um, he does talk back to authority, but he's got he's got the stones to back it and the accomplishments to back it. So every speech challenge that I've ran through with him, because he is such a leader class character, has put him in a place where he just says, fuck you. I'm going to do it my way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives you that ability. There's a lot of different branching paths and decisions that you make that do affect your character's alignment towards you. And that's on a hidden system. There is ship to ship combat, which initially is really tough. And then towards the end of the game with all of your different ultimates is not nearly as hard. Um, I'm in chapter – the very end of chapter four of five. I'm literally at the last boss fight and I decided to stop so I could get shit done today. Um, the combat is some of the best turn-based combat I've ever played. It is better turn-based combat than Baldur's Gate 3. I'm gonna, it is more satisfying. Um, it is not as good a story as Baldur's Gate 3. The interaction between the characters is not quite as good. And no, there are no like – you know, my dog's over here dragging her butt on the carpet. Um <laughs> It is not nearly as uh, – they don't do the crazy fully rendered you know, cut scenes like they do in Baldur's Gate. The romance is pretty cheesy, honestly. Um, the combat builds, though, are so fucking broken once you figure out some of the minutia between it. Um, I have a space marine in my party that I was showing Rusty on a random encounter last night um, who just mops the floor with everything. I, what did I get like? You normally get one attack per turn. What right. I have, you I had, had like seven. Yeah, <laughs> like seven, and he got to go twice. Um, there's a yeah. lot of times that I can. There's several abilities that can give you extra turns, and several things that can proc to give you extra um, turns for your combat, which I highly recommend. Um, I've built some stupid builds of this game, and nothing has been like there was a boss in this last chapter. There's several bosses you got to beat in it, basically. There's a challenge where you've got this kind of like an uber marine, like he's like a chaos marine on fucking steroids. And he's basically a a chaos demon with marine armor and like 12 times as big. And it's supposed to be a really hard encounter where only one character in my party can do damage, can like debuff him so the rest of the party can kill him. Um, My team is so overpowered at this point that I reloaded a save because I did something stupid on a speech challenge and reloaded it. And it loaded me to right before that fight. And I beat the fight again in one turn. Um, mm-hmm. And it's got special mechanics to the fight. Like the the nice thing is it tells you what the characters are capable of doing. You right click on them and it'll tell you like their abilities. And it gives you an idea of how to approach the encounter. But it specifically said on the debuff that this named character I had in my team was the only one that could debuff him by attacking him. So the very first thing I did is moved his turn order to number one and got him attacking and then used other characters to continue to get him attacking. And before I knew it, like four turns in, like this guy's decimated and now I've got to kill some chaos Marines and they're done. And then he comes back in the fight with full health. I repeated the whole same process. And in five minutes, I had that whole fight mopped up. Um, I, uh, Flamers and bolters are god tier once you figure out how they work. Um, Bolter. The, the psyker powers are cool, but the bolter is really satisfying because it just chews through shit. Um, bolters are always satisfying. What's not satisfying about having a handgun that shoots mini rockets? 
Yeah. And they just <laughs> chunk through things. It does the whole thing like in CRPGs, right? Like Fallout 1 and 2 had the right idea of when you hit somebody with like an, an, an obscene amount of firepower, like it just tears chunks in them and they blow into bits and jibs. Um, they've kept that alive in this. They do a very good job of jibbing enemies. Um, sometimes they just flat out explode into blood. Uh, it's very gory, very satisfying. Um, I love the combat in this. Um, I like this game a lot. This has all been since right before Christmas. I've been playing it off and on. And then to avoid playing Alan Wake, I played this a lot more. And then I've been playing it every night while I talk to my girlfriend, like just obsessively. Just, and then I did not realize it was at 100 hours until I looked at it. Well, last night I was in the 90-hour range, and then I've been playing it all day on one station that I've been working my way through. It's a fantastic I'm, game. It's a 4-8 for me. It is so good. I'm looking at the size of a bolter round just because, you know, the internet has this information. <laughs> it is a 19-millimeter round. A 0.75 caliber. <laughs> that, I don't know what 19 millimeters wow. looks like. 19 millimeters. That's. that's I don't know, man. 19 of, millimeters is like a cannon. So. Yeah, so. Uh, a 19 millimeter round would probably be. About the size of a uh, noob tube? Let, let me put it this way. All right. I'm going no, to... It's bigger. It, that's bigger. Here. Hang on. I'm going to... You guys aren't going to see this on the... Uh, it's like a 12-gauge... Uh, it's like on the a 12-gauge so I'm going to... I'm going to... It's bigger than a 12-gauge tell you slug. what it looks like. But there is a 20-millimeter Vulcan cannon round, sir. Okay. I posted the picture. That's, this it is basically it is. it is basically longer than your hand from from the end of the heel of your palm to the tip of your index finger. That's a good um, I, and that's it, a good approach. And, and it is um as thick around the round itself is as thick around as a nickel. Okay. So okay. so that's those are those are fired from Vulcan cannons, right? Smaller versions of that round is shot from a 50 cal rifle, right? Yeah. And I, uh say and that's a 20 millimeter round. So if bolters are 19 millimeters, they're roughly the same size. Yeah. So you're looking at something that is fired out of a Vulcan cannon, but you know, scaled so that it fires out of a out of a, a relatively large handgun. Like fucking Space Marines wield them in one hand. <laughs> yeah, it just. I mean, that quote handgun <laughs> in scale is larger than most submachine guns, sir. Yeah, well, yes. Uh, I mean. There's... Even the bolter pistols in this game are in immensely satisfying. Right. Like for so for it's... reference, like so my sniper rifle, I'll give you an example, right? I can get some really big hits on a really debuffed enemy for like 
250 damage on a single sniper pistol hit, right? Or I can get eight hits at 75 damage with my bolter rifle. That continues to build up power because that's how the bolter builds work. The more you attack, the more deadly they get. And they penetrate, so they penetrate three enemies and hit enemies behind them. And you fire it in a cone, and so it just devastates little groups. But what I'm getting at is the combat's very satisfying. Like, it's more satisfying combat than XCOM. And that's why I've been playing it so much, um, is the combat's really good. Um, the story's pretty good, too. And the ship-to-ship combat's decent, but it's not as satisfying as the moment-to-moment ground combat. Like, I've gotten dialed in so well. Like, I'm not afraid of any encounter. I'm about to hit this boss battle. I doubt I'll wipe. If I do, I made some really serious fuck-ups where I didn't pay attention to what the debuffs were from the main boss. I've even had fights where, like, if you get ambushed, you can't place your enemies or you end up going after all the enemies go. And those fights, I tend to struggle a little bit. But as long as I have, like, one of the leader characters alive and one of the characters that I can cast multiple turns on that have the ability to just, like, rip through enemies, I'm golden. Like, I had a fight before I had this guy um, with one of the, uh, I guess she's a Valkyrie. But anyways, um, she's also badass, also badass with a bolter or sniper rifle. And I actually prefer to play her with a bolter. Um, She just racks up so much more damage with it. That's Uh, the battle sister? Battle sister, yeah. I pair her with a bolter and a really heavy flamethrower. The flamethrower is great. Fuck with battle sisters. Yeah, the flamethrower is also badass too because it just roast shits in a big roast shits, roast shit in a big cone in front of you, and it does massive damage. <laughs> it's just one shot, but like <laughs> one shot on eight enemies for a third of their health is a big deal. Um, and I can get like three to four shots out of her, so she can wipe out whole groups by herself. Or my freaking navigator, as I was showing you last night, right? Pulled everybody into a little spot. And then blasted them and it just deleted like six or eight guys all at one time. Um, and when you do big damage, like the game slows down to like accentuate the weight of the hit, um, which is kind of neat. Um, the, the spells look neat. Like everything about it is just neat. It's a good game. It's a really good game. Um, if you're Jones for something after Baldur's Gate, like the story is not going to be as good. It's one of the best CRPGs I've ever played, though. I like it better than... I think every I like it better than everything than Wasteland Three and Baldur's Gate. It's got more satisfying uh, combat than Wasteland Three. It's just Wasteland Three has a lot better decisions, and it's a little it's about half the, as long. Anyways, should we yeah, take I a break? Should. All right, yeah, I think it's time for a break, and then we can. Uh, uh, kind of get into we'll figure it out feel like should be on list what shouldn't be Alrighty, we'll be back and we're back Sorry, I cracked a new here. Cracked a new can. Like we're two and a half hours into this. Wait, no, no, we were just starting. It's the Tillcast. <laughs> yeah, it's like a double episode. If you made it this long, you are a trooper. 
Yeah. <laughs> this is like old school podcast long. Like longer it, it, than it, old school podcast long. Yeah. 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 This this used Probably to be like a pack and a half long. Yeah, so what we're gonna do oh, the is the fucking uh, silence was killer right there. Wow. We're trying to do All is right. we're trying to sort through what our top ten is and somehow Yeah, you gotta fix that top ten, Jason. I <sighs> I'm working on it. Just go over your personals. I'm working on the tiebreak math based on our personals. So go through the personals. So we have personal top fives out of all of these and uh I guess, Rusty, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Go first, talker. All right. Sorry. So the joke that's been this whole time is Baldur's Gate was already Game of the Year, so this is the second best Game of the Year podcast. Right. Um, and we'll we talk- didn't even talk about why we liked Baldur's Gate. <laughs> we'll get to Actually, that. We-, we should lead with that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why I is, mean, why is Baldur's Gate our, is our number one. Um, it is. Hands down. This is the best CRPG ever made. Um, I'm, I yeah, it's uh, it's it damn re- good. It revives CRPGs to a mass appeal, which is crazy because those haven't really been. We've had a few. I'm the one that usually picks up on them. They haven't been that popular though, right? Like we had Wasteland Two was kind of a pickup or a revival game. You had Pillars of Eternity that picked it up, which, and then Torment, and then uh, Tides of Numenaria. Um, and several others that were all good. Uh, Wasteland right. Through is pretty good. They all have pretty good acclaim, but not the sales numbers, right? And there's even hints that um major uh, major video game retailers like GameStop and others were intentionally poo-pooing the idea of even selling those types of games. Um, but Baldur's Gate Three came from a smaller, independent from a major publisher well no they they have a major publisher but larian's not a big company or they weren't until this game Mm -hmm. and uh they made a very well handcrafted rpg that gave the player a lot of agency a lot of consequence for choice gave a lot of options for all encounters um, gave a lot of good synergy between things did really cool things with dice rolls had a really interesting story um had really good battle mechanics had really I think almost everything's voiced in the game. Um, the narration of the game that kind of <laughs> tells you what's going on is one of the things that I don't know that a lot of other games have done. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but oh. that is very interesting. Um, a lot I mean, of people. Even the narration was great. Like the 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 narrator chick has had a DM quality like you know appeal to how she would describe stuff. It was great. It's the only game I've ever played that actually felt like I was playing D&D. Yeah. And I think it's, that's the key is it lets you have some of that fun. And I think the narrator is a key to that. But the way that it lets you break the system's rules, the way that you would on a tabletop also helps with that. The way that you can just throw people as a weapon, which is something <laughs> that, you know, we've joked about Rusty the or court, horse trucker. Right. Yes. Like that was op- that was an option in this game, right? The alignment, the way that you could re-roll the characters, the way you could change everything around to better suit your needs, the conversations between the characters, um, the fully animated, like close up action scenes and story scenes that play out through the game, right? Like there's a strong 
connection between the characters that you don't get in a lot of other games. Um, the NPC companions are fantastic. The quests make sense. There's not a lot of fetch this kind of stuff in there. There's a lot of, uh, I thought that was going this way and now it goes this way, like the hag in the woods, right? She starts off as just somebody you're talking to, but you notice something's a little bit off. You roll the right checks to figure out that something's off. And then suddenly you're in the woods facing a, a hag that like eats people. Um, the way that you can like completely skip encounters or only get people through certain means, certain companions like come if, you know, like you save certain people, etc. Right. Um, just everything about the game works so well. I agree that the pacing in three feels a little bit weird. Like do all these side quests, but we're at the end of the game. Not really. We're at the halfway point, but it really kind of feels like the end of the game. But no, I want you to talk to every NPC. That was a slog. But it was the it's a slog on an otherwise mastercraft of a game. And like, I think, you know, that criticism has been heard really loud. But that's I the criticism. It feels, it feels more like everything up to that point was, you know, fairly linear, like you didn't have much you know much deviation in your uh in your path once you get to act three it kind of opens up so that you can kind of do whatever you want and the way that i took it is that's kind of how a dnd campaign goes they get you on a uh on a linear path to get you where you're supposed to go and then the dm's like go wild do what you want in whatever whatever order i'm here to react to you right <laughs> so it wasn't super jarring for me because i had some experience with that and i'm okay with a you know with a uh, a sandbox feel like talking to everybody i mean if you think about it morrowind you had to talk to everybody they didn't tell you who to talk to Right, but up until that point, you had these smaller groups of people that you talked to everybody, and so you could talk to everybody inside of a few minutes, right. whereas you kind of had to remember who you talked to. There's probably quests that I missed in the first part of um, Baldur's Gate when you get to it in Act 3, mm -hmm. because I just couldn't quite figure out what was going on with the house. I knew it was going on with the, you know, with the, the circus. I mean, I, I did all the things with the circus, but there was a... A house with like slave labor or something going on over there, and I don't—I never quite figured that out. But that aside, like again, that part being a little bit of a slog, the way the game handles so many different things, and the way that you can kind of just like invisibility being as powerful as it was, the way you can use just like basic D and D spells to kind of break the game, right? Just like the haste potions. Yes, haste potions. Haste potions were like fucking... kind of broke the Ooh. game. And well, it, it breaks the game kind of in the same way that I'm talking about having multiple abilities pairing for the game that I'm playing with Warhammer, right? Right. Um, There's in the best power way. fantasy stuff that you can do with it. And the power fantasy stuff's what you want to do in those type of games. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I could play it again on hard and feel pretty comfortable with it. Um, oh, now yes. that I understand that the system's a lot better, and you under, like once you've gotten into the meta and you've played it for so long, I, I don't know how many hours I put into it, but well over a hundred um and i enjoyed every bit of it like i yes. 
just I, immersed myself in that game. Same. I couldn't. Uh, I was. I had actually gotten into a into an argument with 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 my boss at work, and I'm like, I'm just. <laughs> I don't want to be here right now. I'm finishing what I'm doing, but I don't really want to be here right now. I would much rather be playing Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> Just let me do my job. That's hilarious. So, and like, yeah, it's it's just it happens. And one of those it's it's just one of those things. Like I you know, I was comparing you know, uh, some of the encounters that I was getting in my game with coworkers, and everybody was talking about, oh, how fucking awesome this game was. Yeah, and the the fact that it did finally reach universal appeal, again, is one of those games, we were going back to PlayStation fanboys, right? PlayStation got that right after they missed out on Starfield. And mm-hmm. so I think the PlayStation community chewed it up because it went released to consoles and it just released to Xbox last month. Um, it did $650 million in sales. And it's the one one of the few times where I say like the major, right, the sales numbers do a lot of talking, but like the regular journos finally realized that it was a good game. Um, and it hit like seven or eight game awards, right? Like one of the few that actually deserved it, right? It wasn't like a fucking Call of Duty title or something stupid like that, right? Um, it it has reason to be have widespread appeal. It has reason to be in the spot that it is. Don't hate on it because everybody likes it. Like it was this year's Elden Ring, like hands down. Um, and oh, it yeah. was a, it was a game that just stood head and shoulders above everything for doing just about everything right, and not and and. The fan service, right? Like, they knew it was doing so good, so they continued to patch the fuck out of it, right? They even altered some of the ending scenes to match some of the player expectations for Carlac because they weren't... She didn't have a really good ending scene, so they fixed it. Yes, yes. I had the original ending scene. Well, I had the semi-happy ending scene. Yeah, I had the one where she goes into hell with the uh, warlock. Yeah, well... I went with her, but that was just because of my choice. Um, I would play this game completely different the next time I, you know, I go through it, and there will be a next time. There'll be a next time uh, I'm going to play a barbarian. I'm well. I'm not going to play a paladin. I mean, I'm going to play Dark Urge, and everything oh, yeah, that I've re- read is Dark Urge was the original like the path that Larian kind of like thought everybody should go through. And yeah. where you have to roll to see if you're going to kill the quest giver, basically. It, well, there's, there's, I mean, yeah, you have to roll to, you're not basically do the bad kind of like a, 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 a closet murderer and you have to kind of like, you know, beat back the demon inside you. I think that's I think that adds an extra a bit. It's kind of like having a uh an intentional character flaw when you're building a you know a character like claustrophobia or some bullshit, right? Adding extra flaws so that you can get extra points and other things and then having to you know to confront those flaws in your uh in your campaign. Those are some of the best moments because it makes your character feel more 
like you. You know, you, it's a, uh, more more believable. It's Your something. character's not fully a badass. Yeah, and that's actually something that In Exile, I think, pioneered. So if you go back to the original Fallout games, you had quirks that had positives and negatives that made you play the game a certain way if you chose those perks. Mm-hmm. Um, and they continued them into the Wasteland series, too, which I thought was great. Like, for like, there's one that gives you special powers, but it makes you fear clowns. And sometimes yeah. clowns show up in your encounters and then scare your character away. So you have to fight with everybody else. Um, but having, like, major positives with some major negatives that make you play. Like, there's one that's called Jinxed. And I think of the Jinxed one, sometimes your gun will blow up um, <laughs> and you have to repair the gun. But oh, it geez. does damage to you, but you also get, like, increased damage or something crazy like that but like i can't remember all of them but they're not as fleshed out as the dark urge but that's something in exile has been doing for quite some time um yeah. is giving you positives and negatives with a weird way to play the game um just to give you some different flavor after you maybe you've beaten it it's you know gives you an extra level of challenge but yeah all that being said um like Baldur's gate is just a mastercraft game and there's it's just like Elden Ring was destined to be last year's game of the year. Like there was no getting around that. That was last year, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that, that came was out last year. And seems, that seems like 2022. Yesterday. 2022. But such a good year for that game to come out for me. I'd just broken up with my fiance and had tons of time to play games again. Um, and I just absorbed the fuck out of that game. Um, but yeah. Um Baldur's Gate 3 easily head and shoulders over everything. There is uh there was no way that anybody's going to beat that. Now no. quickly going through my other four cuz I don't want to absorb the rest of the show and I want to get to yours and Jason's top 5. Um I I put Warhammer 40K as my number 2 even though I haven't quite beaten it. I'm like at the very very end of that game. Um I have over 100 hours into trader? it. Huh? Rogue Trader. Rogue Trader, yeah. Okay. Um, that has the most satisfying combat in a CRPG that I've ever played. Um, it is has better combat than Baldur's Gate, just not quite as good at questing, etc. Like those things are not nearly as clean. It is compared to Baldur's Gate, it is very much a budget title. However, um it, it may be one of the best Warhammer games I've ever played. It's fantastic. Um and if you haven't played it and you're looking for something to scratch a similar combat itch, is Baldur's Gate in a completely different universe like I think it does quite well. Um, Diablo 4, um, it's my favorite Diablo game. I could go back to it right now if I didn't want to finish Warhammer, which I'm going to try to get close to that this weekend. Um, Diablo 4 is just good. Um, I like the story towards, I liked all the cinematics. I liked the uh, way that finally had cool classes again, right? The Witch Doctor was kind of lame. Um, the Necromancer's fucking cool. Uh, the Rogue's fucking cool. Uh, those are the two that I've played the most of. Um, I've genuinely liked my time with it. Season one was trash, but season two they fixed a lot of that. The vampire thing's a little bit cheesy, but it worked. Gives you some extra cool powers. Um, I've had a lot of fun with it. I'm not the kind of person that's going to be like no life that game the rest of the year. Like some people are like, all right, I'm out of content. And that's the only thing you've been playing for three months. Of course you're out of content. Um, all right. Go back to it in another season and play it again. Cause it's a good one of those, like, let's just go kill shit games. Um, and it's, 
it's a power fantasy. I like power fantasy games. Um, Starfield, I've already kind of went through this extensively. For all its warts, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I am hoping, as they say, they're going to continue to support this game and provide additional expansions that it just continues to get better. Um, I'll probably pick it up on a sale because it's a lot easier to mod on Steam than it is on Game Pass. I almost picked it up during the winter sale, but didn't. I'm going to wait a little bit longer to where it's under $30 before I pick it up. Um, but I mean, I got like 200 hours in it. Like, come on now. Um, I, I know there's things that I dislike, but I, it's the most game time I have in any game this year. Uh, Liza P is the best non-Souls Souls game I've ever played. Um, I really got into the parry system. I really got into the character. I really got into the world. I really got into the story. Um, it's got a lot of voice acting. It's very visceral. Um, it's very satisfying combat. Um, I played a dex build essentially in that game and enjoyed every bit of it. Um, I got so powerful at towards the end of that game. Like last boss was just, wasn't completely cake, but like it was doable and it felt good to beat that. And it felt good to get past hard bosses in that game. Um, you don't dodge roll a lot of everything in that game. It's all about blocking and pairing. If you can get good at pairing, you can beat that game. Um, and in that order, that's my top five. Uh, Rusty, what about you? Mm, let's see. Of course, obvious. Baldur's Gate being number one. Um, my uh, my second best game of the year. Um, it came down to you know which ones that I really enjoyed, and I I felt like I really enjoyed my time with Final Fantasy uh, sixteen. Uh, it it just gave me a bit more of the. Uh, a bit more action a lot more of the final fantasy you know version of it being a little bit grittier means that it's kind of grown up um and i could get behind that uh it wasn't a bunch of like you know giggling and fucking it wasn't you know necessarily like anime style it was it was just it had anime you know anime moments believe me it it did but it wasn't like, you know, the whole cutesy, kawaii fucking, you know, anime style. Um, it was gritty and I liked it. Uh, it just added, you know, it added everything that I wanted from a uh, from kind of like a grown up Final Fantasy. There was no, you know, emo Noctis. There was no fucking like, you know, it it wasn't super over the top magic. It was there was you know sword battles in that game you know magic was the you know was the exception to the rule you know uh so it was it was kind of neat um and i liked the way that it you know it told its story and uh yeah it's it just it it resonated i played the fuck out of it got you know got to the after you know you know climax of that game and it freaking it rocked i loved it uh, of course, I, you know, the next, you know, next game I put on there was uh, Avatar um, Frontiers of Pandora. It surprised the piss out of me. Like, like I was saying before, just could not imagine actually really liking this game. Uh, and it just came out and said, hey, you know, as long as you could kind of overlook some of the, you know, the odd itemization of the game everything else is built quite well uh and it is a very beautiful game that game just is pretty 
you know, when it goes to nighttime and everything is bioluminescent, fucking amazing. As you're walking through the forest, your character reaches out and moves fucking, you know, branches or, you know, uh, vegetation out of the way adds a little bit of, you know, extra realism to, you know, to, you know, walking through the forest at night. Just listening to wildlife and being able to identify that wildlife based off of its sounds over time because you've run into, run into them before means that you don't necessarily need to use your, uh, you know, your avatar sense or your fucking Navi sense to be able to, you know, to find shit. You can actually just use the environment and it, it worked so well. It worked way better than I thought any Ubisoft game would ever actually work. And I, and I think they should just use that as their template going forward. If they're going to go for an, an open world game, it should be more like Avatar and less like Far Cry. <laughs> I was just saying a lot. Um, Fair enough. That is saying a lot. So that that's why it, it ended up on three, because I think it's it's their way going forward and that's that's what ubisoft needs to do um my fourth pick uh was starfield uh i think that starfield you know it has its ups and downs it has its flaws um but i think that you know what uh what star you know starfield and pretty much any bethesda game comes out doing you know doing is it provides a, a platform um and as soon as Bethesda says, okay, uh, we're opening the doors here, you go to town, uh, and the modding community grabs a hold of it, it's, you know, it's whether or not that modding community is strong. Like, if, if the game falls flat, it's not going to have much in the way of modding. If there is even the smallest you know, smallest chance that the modding community grabs a hold of something and can come up with a way to fix some of the systems that doesn't necessarily feel right uh, or uh, or add some of the things that was missing, like additional POIs or things like that, then, yeah, that's ga- that game has the potential of turning into a Skyrim that can be played, you know, you know for a long period of time, adding mods so that you can add you know, add extra features to the game. Should I, do I believe that Bethesda should start with that and start adding that shit to the, you know, to the base game? Sure. But I think that they also were under a lot of pressure just to get the fucking game out the door. And a lot of the stuff, you know, a lot of the shit that they really wanted to do ended up on the cutting room floor. So, you know, so I am, I'm giving it negative marks because of that. But there's also, you know, I had fun with the game and I don't doubt that, uh, that having experiences with the new game plus or the, you know, the, the secondary third, fourth, fifth run through makes, you know, changes that a lot of people are missing. And I think that was one of the things that, um, just, it reminds me of how I felt after finishing the first part of Nier Automata is like, okay, this game could be done at this point and I could walk away and be fine. But the second playthrough of Nier Automata showed a completely different viewpoint. 
you know, so I don't know, is four or five runs too much for that different viewpoint? Well, I bet you, I, I can guarantee you it is. But the uh, the the possibility is there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let it sit, let it marinate, let them do some uh, some updates, maybe see some mods for it, and I'll come back to it. And then my fifth uh, pick was uh, Diablo Four. Um, I I want an ARPG. I want it to go. You know, want it to succeed, and I want it to be you know good. And Diablo has taken a lot of my time this year. Um, I've had a, f- a lot of fun going through and and experiencing, you know, uh, you know the the story was great the first time through. You know, it's kind of a slog the second time through, I'll tell you. Uh, but there is a lot of good story to it. Like some of the you know, Blizzard has always done some really great, uh, uh, fucking you know, com- you know, computer generated fucking movies essentially. <laughs> All of those things are great. Um, their delivery for it was better than Diablo 3 for sure. Uh, and this game is a bit more approachable, has a lot more uh, a lot more functionality as far as like different builds, but not as many as say, you know, Path of Exile. Um, it only reads this far down on the list for me because it's not a game that i could actually sit down and play no life uh because there is there is a number of different reasons why i cannot get to like a level 100 on these characters is i run out of i run out of steam at about like 80 it's it turns into a grind fest and i'm not big on grinding i'm big on experience so i am too it's it's just uh i want i want to have fun and grinding the same dungeons over and over and over again isn't fun so <laughs> yeah i can't agree with that um, yeah i i'm looking forward to what they do for the additional seasons because they seem to be taking feedback and running with it um it's just uh they've got some They've got some growing to do over the next few seasons before Path of Exile 2 comes out, because as soon as Path of Exile 2 comes out, it's going to be a direct competitor to the uh, to the game. And if they don't have their shit together by by that time, it's uh, Diablo 4 is going to experience a massive exodus. So, well, Jason, what about you? What's your uh, top five? my top five of course Baldur's Gate 3 at number one um at number two I actually had Diablo 4 um just because that was such a uh massive part of the first half a year for me um story is great the cinematics were incredible the voice acting for the most part was excellent um you know not it was the voice acting in that game was only outdone by Baldur's Gate 3 this year, as far as I'm concerned. Um, just for the the amount of game that there is. Um, my number three, uh, 
for all the reasons that Justin said, but also just the fact that it was a complete game and I had no issues uh, running it at all as Liza P. Um, for a Souls game, I just I really enjoyed the fact that it had a had a linear story that um, that made sense without having to read between the lines of a lot of it. Um, that just it real that really made me happy. Um, at number four, I had Jedi Survivor. Um, again, just I mean, for a Star Wars story that that was great, and the fact that we were able to get it running stably on our PCs for the most part just just made me happy. I'm really glad I went down that rabbit hole. Um that that's that story just really took uh took what they did with Fallen Order um and ratcheted it up six or seven levels. It was just good. Um and then I had Starfield at number five. Um mostly just because it was really hard for me to stay stay engaged with. Um I feel like on top of the things you guys have mentioned with the inventory management, we've mentioned with the mini map, um, some of the what are relatively small mechanical failings. Um I just also had trouble staying engaged with this. Um, you know, it's not like with uh uh with Fallout 4 um where I at least had where you had several interesting characters you just wanted to kind of follow the story on um interesting companions etc. Plus I just I love the world of Fallout. Um, I just... A lot of the NPCs I didn't feel like were as interesting, especially with the with the companions I've run into so far. Some um, of that you're living with rose-tinted glasses as somebody who's just recently played four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, you gotta admit they kind of hit it out of the park right away with... Uh, um, Valentine. And, Valentine's uh, the only good companion and the reporter. Everybody else is pretty meh. Especially, uh, what's his name? The guy that sends you on a quest to go help a settlement all the time. That guy. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> Preston Garvey is the worst one. Yeah. Oh, um, my God. He'd be mid-quest. He'd be like, if you take him as a companion, the, like mid-quest, he'll be like, hey, there's a settlement. <laughs> You're like, dude, like, come on. I'm in the middle of a quest doing something else it'll like zoom in on his face and he's talking about the settlements and it's like who do we don't have telephones how did you find this out uh he has telepath yeah valentine you had the reporter and i actually really liked the um the chick you saved from the fight club um and i've played that game multiple times sir so you can't necessarily over multiple years, so you can't necessarily say it's all rose-tinted glasses. I'm just um, saying I'm playing it right now. Yeah. I mean, I played I played it again back in 2021. And 
still enjoyed it just the same. Anyway, uh, I just felt like the like the NPCs I've run into so far in Starfield just aren't as interesting or engaging. No, it's um, for the most part, yeah, Sarah's the worst. So, you know, that that for me just keeps it from being as good. Um so yeah, there there's my personal top five. Um that said, we've got we've got our uh uh list of possible top tens here um for us to kind of start chewing into the meat of. Um so our top um fifteen games in no in no particular order um is Hogwarts Legacy, The Last Spell, Dave the Diver, Dredge, um EA PGA Tour just because of how high I rated that one. Uh Remnant Two, Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, Armor Core Six, Avatar Warhammer Rogue Trader, Final Fantasy 16, Lies of Peace, Starfield, Diablo 4, and Baldur's Gate. I think that some of those are not actually calculating right. I think some of those, like, I think Star Wars should be on that list, and it's not. And I kind of agree. I don't know why um, Last Spell is on that list. Right. I'm, I think some of the uh, the calculations are fucked. Because well, I mean, that's what we. Because I have to put in tiebreakers, right? Because a lot of these games only have like one person play and give one, one score. Mm-hmm. So, um, why, why is that saying that's a three? Well, let's just talk about it. Like we all know that Baldur's Gate's number one, so let's just leave that, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. What a. Uh... We do the math to just give us an aggregate of where we're at with our stuff. That doesn't mean that that's what our final thing's going to be. Does exactly. Let's just say top five. Does I think Diablo belongs in the top five? What's everybody else say? Um. Oh, I agree. Sure, it's on. It's on. That's on all three of our top fives. So, yeah, of course. Just in a different position. Um. Same. Same with uh, Starfield. Yeah, I don't know that Starfield's are number three. No. I'd be comfortable moving Starfield down to four or five. What do you guys say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say four or five at least. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm, of course, I'm good with it at, at five. I think we've got four games that are better than that. Um with everything. Okay. I uh, What should I mean, we Where should we put Diablo? I think Diablo I would think be a good Diablo's, three. I think Diablo's two or three, yeah. That's like, Let's put it at three for no starters cuz I don't know where what's number 2. No, we're going to have to fight for two, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably. There you go. Let me get rid of some of this. 
mean, considering Diablo is an uh, aggregate of like Jason's, yeah, Jason's second, your third, and my fifth. It sits right at three. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think the 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 problem here is that number two, basically the second best game of the year, has to be figured out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not working. Oh, I see what happened. And that's and that's the the sad thing is that all three of us played Diablo four and liked it. Right, we all three played these games, so one, three, and five kind of fit into that list. Now it has to be a personal item, I think. Right. This this is where it's hard. For for this specific thing, considering our aggregate, all three of us played it. All three of us had uh, decent things to say about it. Just below Baldur's Gate, the second best game of the year being Diablo? I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't could, feel right, but it it also you know, does because it can't be a singular person's, you know, for play the, for the tilt cast like aggregate group. I think it has to go. It has I, to go too. I think it is for the aggregate group number two. One, we all three played it. it. the The three games all three of us played that ends up anywhere near the top ten are Baldur's Gate 3, Diablo 4, and Starfield. And Diablo 4 was just... It was a complete game on release. Mm-hmm. It, if you leave out what they... You know, the... Like the class abilities that they broke in Season 1. um, Like, that game was... That game was dang near perfect on release. It it had a really good launch. Um, I do remember that. I I remember commenting that this was fairly smooth compared to like previous Diablo launches and you know and shit like that. It's like yeah, there was one point where it was you know uh, they had a uh, um a, a server go down and it was hard to get into the game, but that was fairly short. They, you know, they got that shit fixed really quickly. So it was an enjoyable experience to actually play the game on launch week. Which, I mean, is saying something for, you know, Activision Blizzard. Yep. So does Um, that make Starfield number three, or do we still want it down under somebody else's personal? I still think it deserves to be five, because... Well, you're the one that liked it the least out of all of us. But you're also the only one that didn't finish it. That's true, too. I mean, it being at four or five, I just feel like... um, Well, let's talk about what's number three, then. Is number three going to be Avatar, Final Fantasy, Warhammer, Lies of P, or Jedi Survivor? Honestly, if we look at... If we're looking at this... um, It's... I'm okay with doing one of these three. So, or these three for the, you, you know, got for us, three, four, and five. Right? We're on a podcast. You have to explain what those three are. 
Okay, so those three as I'm talking about it is you know Final Fantasy 16, uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and Rogue Trader. Those, if I was to look at those based off of our picks, um, uh, well, actually, Liza P too. So we'll, we'll put those those four in there. I'd say Liza P for number three. So Liza P, I, I would agree. say number three. I agree. That game was. Um... That game was just great. And it was complete at launch and no issues. The only reason why I didn't play Eliza P is because I was playing something else. Uh, or I was still going through Baldur's Gate, I think. That's an easy 50-hour game. Yeah, so uh, so it was like, okay, I could play Eliza P or I could just, you know, you know, continue doing what I was doing. And then I, and then I went, ooh, shiny. I went somewhere else. It's on the list. In fact, I think I've got it downloaded. It's just I haven't played it. So... I'm okay with it being, you know, being at three. But four? I, I just ended up, I never talked about it on the show because I ended up playing it super late in the year between other things, but I mean, it's a really great game. I wish I'd played it earlier. So now it comes to a personal choice for four. I think <laughs> this is this is kind of an an oddity. I kind of want to use this as the wild card. Does this make sense? Um, I want to make, you know, make four our our personal best. So, for instance, I was the one that played Final Fantasy 16. Jason, and I guess Jason and you, Justin, uh, played Star- uh, Jedi, you know, Jedi Survivor. But Justin, you played Rogue Trader. I think at this point, if we kind of gauged our you know our interaction with those three on a personal level, uh, you know we're all kind of like, hey, these game you know this game resonated with me. I think Rogue you Trader just, resonates I think, with I, ju- you, Justin. I think you just bump Starfield up, and then those become five, six, seven. Yeah, okay. I can I can see that. And it doesn't have to be in any specific order. <laughs> I mean, it really doesn't. Cuz those, you know, cuz that would mean those are our top personal pick. This is the game that resonated with each one of us. Yeah, I agree. I can agree with that. I won't fight for it. So, Jason, what's 5? Final Fantasy, and then what's six? We'll say Final Fantasy, and then we'll say Rogue Trader, and then we'll say Survivor, because I feel like Survivor deserves seven. It does because of all the, the fucking simple issues. Fact that we had to wait for so many patches, mm-hmm. and then in the end, still mod it. Um, I think the last three, if you want a top ten, is just what do we think's the best of the rest out of the rest of these. I would say Avatar. I'd say everybody gets a vote. You want Avatar? I'd, I'd say Avatar. It's it I didn't run into any technical issues while playing that game. Like right. none. Um I say Remnant 2. Remnant 2 was, you know, I mean, you know, it was a good pick as well. It. So throw Avatar on there wherever you want, Remnant 2. 
it's definitely both are deserving in the top 10 i think i mean i've seen a lot of avatars live gameplay and I, i've played like an hour remnant too but that's not enough for me to really weigh in on the conversation and i mean you you're the only one that played zelda but you really liked it would you say zelda i think zelda's better than any of the <laughs> any of the other games we have remaining on here that's fair you can throw zelda on there um and just by what what you and rusty ranked some of the remaining games personally mm -hmm. i ranked this higher than any of those others okay the last spell or dredge or i didn't uh, even dave the diver like I mean, I would almost fight for oh, Armor Core. Or but, I mean, there's Armor Core too. But I'm the only I'm, one that played that, and it is a. I'm very... the only one that played Zelda, and I think I would enjoy that the fuck out of that game. I just haven't bought it yet. Armor Core is a very niche um, game. It is does not appeal to a broad audience. It's it's a very hard game, and I think it's it's an honorable mention, but I don't think it belongs on this list. Yeah, it's it's. It's a little bit. Repetitive. It actually weeded me out, yes, yeah. you know, from actually enjoying it, because I know as soon as you get past that, you have options that make your mech a little bit more survivable. I mean, it goes but, into old armor core. It really wants you to grind the first few missions to get gear before you start trying new things. Right, and and I think that the the introductory mission to that game is, you know, is rough. It took me three tries. On purpose. Yeah, it took me three tries to get into the rhythm of it to figure it out, but I finally. Yeah, it's a, it's a game about. I know. I, I, I just didn't. I didn't. It's I a game about learning from failure, and most of the missions are under ten minutes long, so it, it's easy to learn from failure. Yeah, it, they yeah. get up, they go over fast. I'm okay with this. This, you know, the way that this, you know, this works out. I'm okay with this. So oh, for for a show top ten, this is good. So to sum it up. Um, for the Tiltcast's top ten, we've got uh, let at number ten, Tears of the Kingdom, at number nine, Remnant Two, at number eight, Avatar from Tears of Pandora, at seven, we've got Star Wars Jedi Survivor, at six, we've got Warhammer Forty K Rogue Trader, coming in at number five is Final Fantasy Sixteen. Coming in at number four is Starfield. Coming in at number three is Lies of P. Coming in at number two is Diablo 4. And, of course, our number one, as we said in the beginning, is Baldur's Gate 3. Because, let's face it, after playing it on launch day, we all knew there was nothing that was going to beat it. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, we knew from the end of the starting area that that game was going to be amazing all the way through and it didn't disappoint us no it did not i am still having i'm still having moments where I, i'm like man if i had done this differently <laughs> i i have i have still gone back you know in those in those moments where uh where i just couldn't jive with anything else um and like spent a couple hours here and there you know kind of starting a second playthrough i mean i'm really slow playing it like that second playthrough is like 
not even through Act 1 yet, but the fact that I'm okay with being able to go back to it for a couple hour chunks at a time and just go back into it um, should tell you just how enjoyable it is to play that game, period. Yeah, it's it's um, it's something else. You know, it's and in that way it's almost like not playing a video game. It's like playing going back and playing that game in small chunks like that has kind of been like well our our tabletop nights just in every every couple weeks. You know, it's kinda of like that where you're just joining up with some friends for a couple hours you know and play through a quest um it's really larian studios um really out outdid themselves i i'm afraid for them that they can't meet this bar again to be honest no i think that they spent a lot of time building the system in which the game plays on they now that they've beat. got the system build it, built, now all they have to do is write. I think that, you know, that they they have a good start to everything that they need. Do some tweaks on each one of the classes, maybe add some additional classes um, and uh, some additional spells and add, you know, go through and they can actually just use the same you know the same framework and build an Icewind Dale or uh you know any any other you know campaign out of it and it would work it would just feel right you know the hard part you know the the framework is done then write it, you know get it written and getting you know getting voice acting for it and you've got another you know you've got another multi-million dollar seller you know it's, yeah it's, they're they're good and i wouldn't i wouldn't be i wouldn't be harsh on them for you know for doing that you know because what i'm playing these games for isn't necessarily it's not just the system i'm playing the game for i'm playing the game for the story i'm playing the game for the writing they knocked it out of the park with the writing. Like those characters are fleshed out to the point where I could imagine myself sitting across from a table and having another human being saying those lines. That's right. what's fucking great about that game. Well, I mean, you've got you've got this in the Forgotten Realms, right? That's where Baldur's Gate, the Baldur's Gate series, takes place. You could go do Icewind Dale. You could go do Dragonlance. You could go do... Actually, what would work really great for a game is bring back the Mistara setting and do that. Well, you're you're talking different universes there. It's possible. I am. You'd be starting a whole new series. But well, Dragonlance is actually cool. Kren, which is a completely different, uh, different area than uh, the Forgotten Realms. It's a different plane. So, oh, I, mean, I know. Without getting into the lore of everything, I, I kind of nerded out after uh, after this and watched a lot of fucking uh, Forgotten Realms lore. But 
it gives you opportunities and you know possibilities to play that game you know play the game however you'd like yeah but there's whole regions of that game the sword coast is just the most common area there's whole that's a there's a whole planet (laughs) there is and i mean they've just centralized it the games in the sword coast right to make the series um digestible but like they could totally uh yeah they they can go in they can move anywhere and do that yeah there's they could even move forward and back in time the important thing is is that the game mechanics in the system are are already set like they have that Mm -hmm. so they could literally put um any dungeons and dragons or fantasy like setting in that system and as long as they write a good story and good quest you've got millions of people out there millions of people who have written stories for that specific setting and sit down with other human beings and play that shit with fucking paper and uh, and and dice the amount of different adventures that you can put into the forgotten realms is literally endless i yep. want to see more of it that's that's all i want so i mean this opens this opens the way i think that Baldur's gate 3 opens the way and made D more approachable to people who have never picked up a set of dice and you know created a character this is an easy way to get people to understand some of the systems behind playing D&D it's a good entry uh, it's a good entry into that kind of game so and they I did think it that, the most and they ended up crafting a game that played more like a straight up D and D campaign <laughs> than any of the Baldur's Gate games before it. Right. If I if I ever wanted to, you know, to have somebody sit down at a D and D table, but they were like, I'm not sure if I'm nerdy enough for this, but they were halfway, you know, halfway interested and were a gamer at a gaming PC, I'd send them to play Baldur's Gate three, and then I'd be like. After 100, 150 hours of playing that game, you're definitely going to understand why D&D is awesome. And you're going to want to come back. Uh, come and sit down, create your own character, and have that experience. I think that itself makes that game, you know, makes Baldur's Gate 3 one of those transitional pieces where you can actually take somebody that's only played the, the tabletop and say, sit them down in front of the, you know, in, in in front of a PC and play Baldur's Gate 3 and they would understand it. But anybody that's also played only Baldur's Gate 3 would be able to sit down in a tabletop and be like, hey, I remember these stats. <laughs> I, I kind of understand how to build a character because, you know, with my strength being this high, I was able to throw shit farther. So that makes me, you know, makes, under, makes me understand my barbarian a bit more, you know? So it's in that way, that's why that game is so good. I agree. But, you know, I could, 
I could sing its praises all night, but I don't got all night. No, <laughs> unfortunately, we don't have all night, and we have given everybody the longest episode we have done in a year. Mm, at least, at least a year. It tends to be this episode tends to be either one or two really long episodes. We're just uh, we're just able to get it all done in one this time. Mainly because we only had to pick nine <laughs> nine games. We already knew what the top one was. There was no fight there. Pretty much. But yeah, I, I I'm I'm ready to call it. How about you guys? All right. Well, with that, you can find us at tiltcast.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.com slash tiltcast. Our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash surreal tiltcast. And search for us on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe. Find Friends of the Goat, the show. Um, the you've goat. got um, For the Love of Gaming. You've got bmfcast.com. And TVGP.TV, they also do the Game of the Year. And with that, it is the end of the damn show. Alrighty. Peace. Peace.